1: Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have
0: to deal with is watching the sunset.
1: Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP 01005. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Morena and good morning, New Zealand. It's 9.03 here on SENZ and uh, we've got a busy Wednesday for you today. In the first hour, talking to Cameron George. Of course, he's the boss of the Warriors, uh, formerly uh, very high in the racing side of things as well Uh, very knowledgeable man but specifically we will be talking about the Warriors and just the practicality of of running this joint at the moment it's incredible America's Cup that big deficit $156 million what about it well Tom McRae from News Hub's America's Cup uh, program he's an expert on yachting he'll give us his thoughts on where that money went who's going to pay for it uh, and the next saga and uh, towards the end of the first hour uh, really interesting guest and Joanna Harper might not have heard of her well, Joanna Harper is a transitioned athlete. Uh, at the age of 47, from being a man, Joanna Harper changed and uh, 17 years ago. Uh, so it has since become an advocate, obviously, for trans athletes and also uh, has been a consultant for the uh, Olympic Committee on the participation of trans athletes, and also, uh, funnily enough, in terms of the the rugby uh, World Rugby, she's also been a consultant there as to whether trans athletes can get involved in rugby at an international or even club level, to be fair. Uh, So very interesting person to talk to. Uh, So that's in the first hour. Really, really busy, really quality first hour coming up.
0: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon.
2: Well, is there a team that polarises New Zealand sports fans than the New Zealand Warriors? For years we've lived in the hope that this will be the season when NRL glory will be achieved and the coveted Provence Summers Trophy will finally make a trip across the Tasman. Well, it hasn't happened. They've gone close, to be fair, but it hasn't come to pass. And it's not going to happen again this year is it? either, is it really, if you look at the table. The Faithful Stay, just that they lifers, The next group, the semi-faithful, they threaten to leave when hope is gone for the year but they still front up in front of the TV each week just in case they see that magical performance and they'll be back next year. Group three, well they leave the fold when all the hope is gone of making the playoffs but they'll still be back next year as well even though they'll never tell anyone that they will. And group four, well they're just plain giving up to be fair. Where do I sit? Well, I've got to confess, I was somewhere between groups three and four, pretty much given up and just a bit of sick of, of all the assurances and all the hype that we've had year after year. But in the last year and a half, I've changed. I've completely about-faced about the Warriors. Now, it's not so much really about the playing side of things. It's about the commitment that they've shown to the game and to the cause. The, key, the commitment to keep the flag flying, to keep on turning up, has is, is been applauded by the whole NRL, by Australian sports fans. So who am I to scoff at it or ignore the fact that they've hung in there that tough? It's obvious and it's strong. To leave home and family, every fort, not just every fortnight, but for the bulk of the year. That's the commitment. It's one hell of a sacrifice for any family man to have to make to leave his kids and his wife are ah, the well-paid professionals so just get on and do your job that's what i hear you saying try it sometimes it's not easy to be away that long i assure you it can take your focus away from the job at hand often the season the warriors we know have flattered to deceive they have bombed games squandered opportunities and too often let themselves down But not last weekend, if we've ever seen an impressive and gutsy loss that was a result against the Panthers. I venture to say no NRL side would have coped with what happened to them in that seven-minute period when they lost players of such a high calibre. It was freakish, but they were tough. They didn't win, but they were tough. So that's the kind of spirit and tenacity that has won me over. I'll bet I'm not alone. I shouldn't be. And just by the by, it's the rabbit holes this weekend. It is nine oh eight here at SENZ Wednesday morning, and uh, we've got uh, Cameron George on the line. Uh, Camo, first of all, welcome into the show. Explain exactly where you're at at the moment, uh, because it's pretty hard to keep up with your movements.
3: It is, Smithy. Thanks very much for the invitation, mate, and all the best with the new gig. Uh, Looking forward to having you back on the airways, which is great, Um, mate. We're on the Gold Coast at the moment in in the hub, uh, locked away. With four other NRL teams, um, it's, it's a bit of a different experience doing it this way. Uh, we got a phone call last Sunday night, a week ago, uh, after we played, and, and and were told that we had to relocate by Wednesday. So we had to pack up 40 apartments. Uh, the family still haven't arrived on the Gold Coast yet. Um, they were due to arrive last Wednesday, but have been delayed, and hopefully they can they can arrive today or tomorrow. Um, So it's been a whirlwind, you know, 10 days or so, but it is footy, it is sport, and it is life, so... We've just got to deal with what we've got to deal with at the present time and try and win a game of footy for our fans.
2: Absolutely. I know that's uh, high on the agenda, but you can't ignore the obvious. I mean, this has become basically a family for you, uh, an extended family and a huge family at that. Uh, Look, these are young guys. Um, They're impressionable fellows. You know, they've got families and they're kids. Just how tough has it been? Uh, Can you explain how, how hard some of these guys have had to cop it uh, are being away from their, their their families for such long periods of time and then when they get them there, they can't move them from state to state?
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the ones that I've noticed that have been really struggling are the younger kids. Um, you know, they, they live very closely with their mother and father and brothers and sisters and so on. The, the older you get, obviously, you start to transition into other important parts of your life, whether you get married or have kids, and they become your priority. So... The younger kids are the ones that I see that are struggling the most, but, you know, the whole group uh, have had to deal with so much um, since March of last year, so the compounding effect of, of week in, week out, not knowing, uh, being unable to plan any further than a month down the track, has had their bear, it's had its bearing on, on all of us. Um, you know, our club's been ripped apart, uh, our fans are in New Zealand, uh, we don't you know, get too many fans to games on the Central Coast. Uh, hopefully in Queensland we get a few more, but all of our commercial partners are back there. Our, our really avid and die fans are in New Zealand. They haven't seen us since August 2019. And, you know, the only connection we have to them really is through, you know, social media and media. And uh, things haven't been going our way, on the, you know, on the field. And what that generates is, is a lot of negativity and, and the boys are, you know, sort of feeling that. So we're hoping that... Um, you know, we keep our head down and backsides up and, and, and try and get some performances together that, that without injury we can make our fans proud because that will really lift the boys.
2: Coming home is, is huge, as you've just pointed out. Have you, have you given up giving them a possible date because it just appears to change day by day?
3: Yeah, we haven't. Look, mate, there's two big questions for us, Smithy, right now. Um, it is when and how we get home. Uh, That's the other challenge. Uh, That's why moving from New South Wales was a given uh, because we're not going to be able to fly out of Sydney. Um, Hopefully the borders don't change here in Queensland. Uh, And secondly to that is what happens next year? That's the biggest question for us because the appetite for the NRL for risk is very, very low. Um, And on that basis, you've seen how quick things change Mm. and the impact it has on the competition. And if we, as a club which we do want to be in the competition, we don't know what next year looks like yet. So we're working through that now. Um, You know, so many balls in the air, but, look, the reality is... It's, it's part of life. There's a lot of other people that are worse off than us and um, we've just got to work together as a group and come out the other end somewhere, somehow.
2: OK, so we've talked about uh, the issues of, of playing and the, the feasibility of moving from time to time. But, of course, the, the other issue is, is one that you've got to have your finger on the pulse of too, costs and finance. I mean, we've got a headline around New Zealand uh, over the last 24 hours about how much the America's Cup has cost and a lot of people have put that down to the virus, of course, and, and things having to change so quickly. Uh, how much has it affected the books?
3: Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, it goes without saying, you know, you have a, a home base and when you play and you leave out of that home base at Mount Smart Stadium, you generate all your revenue through game day ticket sales, through sponsorship, through, through uh, you know, merchandise, through connection with the community. That's how you generate interest in sales in a sporting landscape, which you well know. Um, when you take that all away and you put us in a um, in a region that's you know rusted on fans of many other clubs, i.e. the Central Coast of New South Wales, you know we we're only averaging two and a half, three thousand people there because they weren't fans of ours and and we couldn't we couldn't just turn them overnight. Um, so we tried different things and it you know it worked in parts, but there's no place like home, mate. Um, you know, that's where we belong, that's where we make our money and that's where our fans are and and we've got to get back there to get back up on, uh, get the books back up to a, a, a healthy level, but we've had tremendous owner support through Mark Robinson and Rob Crude at Ortex, they have not walked away from the responsibility, we've managed our costs the best way we can and we've had good support from Sport New Zealand and and our sponsors so really appreciative of that, but until we get home and get going again, mate, we're, we're going to be in the hole again next year unless we're back home. Yeah,
2: well, let's hope it's sooner rather than later, mate. Uh, on another issue, uh, Phil Gould has gone. Was, he's uh, gone to the Bulldogs. You had him in a consultancy-type role. Two things. Um, did, uh, did you get value for money? Were you happy with, it went, with how it went with Gus? And, and are you looking at an immediate replacement?
3: Mate, we, we got so much out of Gus. And that's another byproduct of COVID. He's been... With us for 14 months and been able able to only get to New Zealand twice, so it just wasn't you know it was working for us, but it wasn't working for him because it just he wasn't being able to put in what he needed to put in to get the results for us. Um, it, we got value for money no end. He, he, I love him, mate. He's just outstanding, and and he's still going to help us in the quiet um, and guide us through things we need, but. The reality is, we're not going to try and replicate it. Look, there's only one Gus Gould, um, you know, so he's given us a really good framework to work with. So we've got some staff that will will make sure that they oversee that and roll it out. Um, but you know, down the track, if we come across someone that we think is going to add value in that regard, we will. But. At the moment, mate, I've got no interest. In that. There's only one Ian Smith and only one Gus Gould. They're both legends of their sports, mate.
2: <laughs> There's only one Cameron George, and we're talking to him at the moment, at the moment, folks. It's nine fifteen. Uh, okay, let's talk practicality here. Uh, the record has not been flash. It's not been what you want. I'm sure you, you're, a, you're a winning man. So, uh, how much do you factor the record now going ahead? Uh, where you are on the table uh, you've got uh, no home games, the prospect of no home games to finish off the end of the season so wh- what are you factoring in looking ahead?
3: Oh, i factor in just effort um, you know for us we've got a, a, a huge injury toll, I, I don't know where, who's run over the um, you know, the cat or, or got the bad luck but you know we just continually get that that impacts on our squad and we, we've started to develop a lot of the young kids through the system but the one thing that you know, the one thing that they've all got is talent. The one thing that we can all, you know, expect is effort. And, and that's what we're driving through the squad at the moment. Everyone's looking for us to fall over more and more and more. We don't believe that at all. Our boys are are, are going to use the next seven weeks as demonstrating to all and sundry that we're about effort, we're about commitment, we're about about passion, no matter what the adversity is. And, and on the back of that, mate, if we can get a few wins... and make our fans proud, uh, that's what we want to do. And um, we'll do that bucket loads over the next seven weeks. It's, it's going to be about effort and passion for our brand and, and, and our club.
2: Tough time recently for Coach Nathan Brown, uh, particularly on a personal level, but uh, you've got to go past that. I'm sure he does too. Um, just how well do you see that relationship in terms of uh, going ahead? Is that an issue you've got to look at or are you are going to stay with Nathan Brown?
3: absolutely no there's no issue there at all mate he's um you know the poor bugger hasn't even he spent you know six weeks at mount smart stadium he's been disconnected from the pathways programs with stacy jones and tony oro he's had to develop a lot of young kids this year before their time um and he's balanced all the other problems out but what he hasn't done is stop coaching a footy team he's uh he's really developed some good young players and you're going to see that mixed up with a a youth and experience team next year. But, um, you know, he's, you saw on the weekend, uh, a lot of things you don't see day to day is the effort of our team. And that's, that's because everyone's buying into what we're doing. And it's just been an unfortunate year with injuries. Um, You know, we're doing a review on that now. And wanted to understand uh, certain trends and that, if there are any uh, and how we fix those, but, He's a good coach, he's got a very good relationship with the players and I love love playing for him because he's really developing them as players and individuals and we're very happy with him.
2: That's great news. L- listen, just finally, uh, Camo, one subject that I don't think you have to make too big of a decision on, but it will affect your players. Uh, the Rugby League World Cup, Dallin the Lesniak, has uh, come out saying, and he's the skipper, come out saying it shouldn't happen. Phil Gus Gould, the man we've just been talking about, has said, no way in the world does Australia need to go. Uh, we've got our own thing going on and we don't need to take any risks with our players, etc. The Rugby League World Cup, is it a goer for you? I
3: oh, personally... Um, I don't think it should go ahead on the basis of the the risk that lies over there in, in the UK. You know, thirty thousand people a day uh, with COVID, and we're shutting down our states in Australia with thirty-five. Um, so, look, it's a big risk. You know, for us on a personal note, it means we lose all of our players thereabouts till about the end of January next year, with the competition starting in March. So, has a huge impact on us, but. I also appreciate and respect you know, the guys' cultures and how they wish to represent them. So I, I don't think it should go ahead, but we'll just have to wait and see.
2: Camo, thanks very much for your time this morning, mate. I know it's uh, pretty early where you are, so uh, we're, we're happy that, um, you know, that you're able to give us some of your valuable time and some insight too on what, exactly what's going on and the feeling uh, within the camp. Go well, stay healthy, man.
3: You too, mate. Thanks very
2: much, buddy. Okay, that's Cameron George, of course, the CEO of the New Zealand Warriors. And what a time they're having at the moment. Now they've got injury issues to deal with as well. What about that performance uh, last weekend? How fantastic was it and how gutsy was it? Didn't come up with anything for it, but it still showed, I think, a a side of the Warriors that we want to see a lot more often. What about your thoughts on the matter? Double eight double three is the text number. Uh, You can give us a call if you like. uh, 0800 150 811. Back very shortly here. S-E-N-Z gosh I was going to make a big mistake there S-E-N-Z, fantastic
4: New Zealand's voice of sport Smithy. mornings with Ian Smith weekdays from 9 on S-E-N-Z it's Kiwi for sport from behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're
1: in safe hands it's mornings with Ian Smith on S-E-N-Z 0800-150-811.
2: 0800-150-811. That's our phone number. I know you're passionate, you Warriors fans, so get on the blower. Give us a call. Don't be scared. Uh, inform me, actually, as you were from my little diatribe earlier on. I'm not an expert on rugby league, but I'm warming to the Warriors, and I think I'm justifiably warming to the Warriors Out a commitment alone. Um, you know, points table, not so good. I-, I know you're passionate because of the text that we're getting. Gee, Smithy, I'm a passionate Warriors supporter. Seriously concerned, we won't have a Warriors team next year. Obviously, financially, we're probably broke. If we do have to relocate, the amount of players who will pull the pin, feeling for everyone involved. That's Hayden from Waipukarau, down uh, just a little south from where I'm living, Uh, Cameron. The effort is great, but wins matter. Our team needs to be tougher. They're not too comfortable in their nice, they're too comfortable in their nice hotels. Uh, and I'm not sure about that. I mean, I've in a lot of comfortable hotels. You get sick of them, I promise you. Get, their, get them back in New Zealand under the pressure of the local media and supporters. That will lift their game. They're trying. They're trying to do that, but the world says no at the moment. Here's an, here's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors need to get Wayne Smith in there to help with the talent development and the club culture. This is an interesting one, this. Uh, he helped Dave Dillon take Kobe from an average team to a back-to-back titles in their last for uh last 2 years and, this, and and that's of course in Japan. Uh, that's from Zane. So if you're going to have a text, um, put a name to it. We love that. So yeah, there's plenty of passion involved about that scenario there with the warriors. Uh, so do give us a call 0800 150 811. After the the 9:30 news with Trudy, we're going to be talking to Tom McCrae. Uh, of course he is News Hub's America's Cup expert down at the village every day during racing uh, around team New Zealand getting all the gossip. On this latest news that's come to us in the last 24 hours, 156 million bucks. That's the deficit. They lost apparently 28 cents in every buck. They were looking to make 14 cents per every dollar invested profit. They lost 28 cents. You're going to pay for it, Auckland. Or who's going to pay for it, Auckland? Tom McRae might have uh, some ideas on who's going to actually foot the bill for that. Uh, And we'll talk about uh, the prospect of it ever happening here again. On the back of that, you'd have to say, probably not. What do you think, John? Yes, Mithy, I, I was against it right from the start anyway. It's just rich
1: boys and their toys, and they are toys now. They don't even sail them. They're up on foils You know, where's the spinnaker? Uh, Where are the guys actually sailing the boats? It's just gone so far away from your regular sports fan into these billionaires with their technology. I've just got no time for it whatsoever. And then they've taken my rates to pay for it and my tax money through the government So I'm paying for it and I'm not getting any of that money back. The whole sell is like, oh, we're going to have 10 teams here challenging for the Cup. They're going to bring in all their boat builders. It's just going to go off. We're going to make so much money off this. And I get COVID came and we didn't get maybe the tourism that we expected. But who travels right around the world anyway watching America's Cup? Not many people I know. So really it was going to come down to getting those teams based here, bringing their people here and working and paying taxes. And that's how we were going to make this money. But it never happened, Smithy. And so... I know a few people had fun during it. We won. That was great and there were nice sunny days and people got to go out and watch these toys go around the water but I don't want it back. I don't want it back. Grant Dalton doesn't want to give it to us back at a cost price. He wants to make money. He's a businessman. He's not a captain of a New Zealand team. He's not a coach of a New Zealand team. He's a businessman. He's Emirates guy. He's a sponsorship guy. Team New Zealand is not Team New Zealand. It's a fun business boat venture that should be taken overseas, and
2: as far as I'm concerned, good riddance, Smithy. Oh, okay, don't sit on the fence, will you? <laughs> huh? I, I gave won't. you a silch warning about that. You've come at me. I've come uh, in hot, like a, a a bull in a bull ring. Yeah, at least so quite clearly, you're not too happy about paying some of the 156 million being as an Auckland ratepayer, John. No, I am certainly not, Smithy. So I'm looking
1: forward to Tom McRae giving us um, some answers about why we went so far over
2: budget. It's just an absolute blowout. I like your point about uh, the foils. I mean, I fell in love with the America's Cup. I go back to Bond, Bertrand, Dennis Connor, the great names back then, prior to New Zealand being involved with it actually. One of the great sports books is Born to Win, John Bertrand, how they won the America's Cup in the end, uh, off and broke down uh, Dennis Connor. The, it was just one of the great sports books to read. Uh, so I go back a long way, but then it was about sailing. It was about the wind, what sail to pick, uh, how to read the breeze. Uh, you know, and then the crew work more crew on the boat. Uh, you know who who jammed that rope. You know what happened there. How come the spinnaker blew out? We're going to replace it in no time at all. So those are the issues that seem to have disappeared for me. I'm behind the times. Maybe Tom McRae can help me catch up. Here's Trudy with the news.
5: The all new S N Z. It's Kiwi for sport.
6: It's 9.30 making SENZ news this hour. Nine crew members on a container ship docked at the bottom of the South Island have now tested positive for COVID. The Matina came into Bluffs on Sunday through Jakarta from Fremantle. Meantime, South Australia has now joined Victoria and New South Wales in COVID lockdown for the upcoming weekend as they battle the fastest spreading Delta variant of the virus and more COVID cases in the Athletes' Village in Japan. Mexican baseballers are now isolating after some of the team tested positive for the virus. 1,387 new cases in Tokyo yesterday, with Games Chief Toshiro Muto not ruling out canning the Games if cases spike further. One of New Zealand's most dangerous stretches of road, State Highway 3 from Hamilton through Taranaki to Palmerston North, has been allocated $82 million for rejigging to prevent further crashes. Radio.nz sport coming up.
4: The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime.
6: Anthony Joshua will defend his world heavyweight titles against Alexander Usyk on September 25th. The WBO ordered Joshua to defend his title against the Ukrainian after the Britons' bout with domestic rival Tyson Fury was called off when Fury was ordered to fight Deontay Wilder in a rematch. And six Polish swimmers have been sent home from the Tokyo Olympics after the country accidentally selected too many athletes. The group have since threatened legal action and have called for the head of the Polish team to resign.
7: Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants, powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years.
6: Long fine breaks for our Wednesday after scattered showers clear away today for the North Island. To the south, wet on the west coast, briefly heavy this evening too, but fine Canterbury through to Southland. And from six tonight, we go across the ditch. The captain's run with Cam Smith on SENZ. 9.32
2: here on SCNZ Wednesday morning it's been busy already with uh, Bears and Easy from 6 to 9 the two, I think they're Queen Street farmers to be fair but uh, I'll make a go of it and then I'll try something else next week but anyway, moving right along Tom McRae is uh, with us here, and uh, I I respect Tom McRae. I always respect people that know a lot more about a subject than I do. He's from News Hub, of course. uh, He's the America's Cup expert. He's had his finger on the pulse of everything that was happening during the actual event and after. Uh, And uh, I imagine, Tom, good morning to you, that uh, this $156 million deficit might not have been a surprise to you, but it's still going to hurt a lot of people around here.
8: A hundred percent. Yeah. Good morning, uh, Smithy. Uh, One hundred fifty-six million dollars is a lot of money in anyone's books. You know, even for the America's Cup, it's a huge amount of coin uh, to to have lost. Um, so I, I guess it wasn't ex- it wasn't unexpected that the America's Cup because of COVID. Uh, was wasn 't going to make any money, um, but I think this has taken a few people by surprise just how big a deficit there is but when you When you close the borders to the twenty six thousand visitors that they thought they were going to have through and hundred and seventy super yachts that they were hoping to get into the harbor um you know you know huge high spending visitors too. Um, it's not really surprising they they didn't make any money, but um, yeah, 156 million dollars, like you say, is um, is quite a bit of coin.
2: Is it as simple as that? Is it as simple as the virus? Are there other mitigating factors for you? Uh, yeah,
8: there are. Obviously, the, the the council and government spent more money than they had anticipated um, beforehand on infrastructure. The Auckland Council brought um, spent an extra 92 million dollars um, on you know removing the tank farm. Uh, and doing a whole lot of work that uh, they were going to do uh, over the next 10 years, but was brought forward because of that. So it's not money wasted. Um, their, their argument is that they've actually saved $62 million by doing it all at once rather than spreading it out over the next decade. Um, so, you know, there, there is that. The other uh, big factor in this is just the number of challenges There was only three syndicates that turned up uh, that were able to race on the start line. Uh, Team New Zealand, when they first won it and first announced, you know, the protocol that we're going to be racing in these, you know, incredible monohulls, they were hoping to get up to 10 syndicates. That obviously didn't get anywhere near that. And actually, they just managed to scrape in three, which was the bare minimum under their host venue um, agreement with Council and the government. That um, you know, if if one of those three had dropped out, then, then they would have actually broken the contract with uh, with council and government. So that was another big factor. Obviously, you know, the teams stay here for the longest. They set up, you know, months and months in advance. They bring their families um, and all of uh, you know the, the spend that comes with them. They like Luna Rossa hired an entire apartment building just for them and their families. So the more syndicates you have, the more money that generates and brings into the economy. So only having three was a was a significant factor as well. But COVID clearly was the largest contributing uh, okay. um, factor to that loss.
2: So that's been seven challenges, seven of the initial likely challenges that didn't affront. How many of those could you put down to the virus? Or how many of those could you put down to the fact that they got the message very early, early on in the piece that this was going to be a very expensive event to partake in because of the technology Technology and the fact that uh, you had to have every, everything very much in your favour to be able to compete with the big boys anyway. So would that have been a factor in some of the drop-off?
8: Yeah, 100%. So the, the, the number of challenges actually had nothing to do with COVID. That was all pretty much locked in before COVID hit, uh, just because of the timing. I think a lot of, um, there was, you know, talk of a second one, Stars and Stripes, out of the east coast of Australia, Uh, an Australian challenger, a Dutch challenger, um, potentially a Spanish challenger, they all fell away to the wayside really, really early on in the process when they saw the design, just how much money you would need, like minimum $100 million just to get into the event, and that's without really even being a competitive team. Uh, And then they probably had a look at the challenges that were there. Um, You know, you, you look at INEOS, uh, really, really well funded out of the UK. Um, same with American Magic and uh, Luna Rossa, all with massive, massive money behind them, billionaires behind them. Uh, and, you know, they spent, you know, probably close to $200 million each on this. Um, and when you're talking about that sort of money, uh, you know, that's, even when, that's when billionaires even balk at the cost a little bit. So I think everyone just initially saw the design Uh, so we don't know exactly if this is going to work and we're going to have to pump in, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, um, you know, up front. Uh, And I think a lot of sponsors just sort of said, let's just see how they go for the first edition in these spoiling monohulls and see what happens after that. So hopefully wherever the next cup is held, there are more challenges. Uh, But unfortunately, it doesn't look like it'll be in New Zealand.
2: The immortal words, Tom, of America's Cup is still New Zealand's Cup. Is that true now I mean we're never going to have it are we to be honest unless there's a giant father Christmas comes along or something changes along the way uh, we're not going to have it Grant Dalton put a, what a, he turned down hundred million dollars uh, that clearly wasn't enough so and he would have seen he would have known about this this deficit a long time before any of us knew about it to be fair so it's it is New Zealand's cup because we basically you know we, we have the trophy but we're not going to host it are we
8: I can't. Oh, this time, no. They they have haven't outright rejected the the hundred million dollar offer from, okay. from council and and government, but they have said that they will now. The exclusive negotiating um, uh, three month window uh, is over. They don't think a hundred million dollars was enough. Uh, they were looking for probably double that. So now they're looking offshore if they can find a better offer from Dubai or the Isle of Wight in the UK or somewhere in China or somewhere along those lines, you know, in Europe, somewhere, maybe Valencia again, then they'll take the money because they say without that cash, they can't keep their team together and put up a successful defence. Whether you buy that or don't and you just look at them as, you know, they just want to get as much money for themselves as as they possibly can, um, depending on how cynical you are, uh, but at this stage, it, I'd be very, very surprised if the next Emeritus Cup is held in New Zealand. And even if Team New Zealand do win it again offshore, say somewhere like the Isle of Wight, it, the, the longer it stays away from New Zealand, the harder it will be and more expensive it will be to, to, to bring it back to, to the country. And, and I just don't know if there's the appetite to, from council and government to, to fork out even more money. Um, especially when they're left holding the can of $156 million.
2: Yeah, and that's a figure, Tom, that's going to haunt a few people for a while, 156 mil. Hey, mate, thank you so much for your input this morning, uh, your honesty about uh, where you think it's going to go and uh, how it's going to pan out and uh, the, you know, the decision-making process coming up in the next few months, of course. But uh, hopefully, maybe still New Zealand. We haven't given up hope, but uh, in all likelihood, Tom McRae says... Probably not, folks. Tom, thanks very much. It's uh, Tom McRae, News Hub's America's Cup expert. Uh, our text number is double eight double three. Our phone number is uh, 0800 150 uh, We'd love to hear your feedback on that, John Day. How about this? Boy, that John Day knows how to put into words the way so many of us feel. Did you write this? Or have you got an Uncle Pete in Nelson? Well done, that man. Mate, you are paying, you, Smithy, are paying for the America's Cup. It was funded by the central government, not just the Auckland Council. So that's your taxes with an expletive there. Uh, That's from Jamie Wall. Uh, And Tony says, Hi, Smithy, I totally agree with JD. The Auckland City Council and the government should have got Grant Dalton and co, to sign a contract stating that if the infrastructure was built, then the Cup stayed in New Zealand for as long as Team New Zealand retained it. That's an interesting point of view. Uh, Tony, thanks very much for that. Uh, If you do call in, folks, uh, just reiterate that number, 800-150-811, you could be the caller of the month. And uh, at the moment, you haven't got a lot of competition, it's fair to say. If you come up with a cracking subject and a cracking call, you could be off to Perth uh, to watch the Predisloe Cup. Return flights... For two two nights accommodation, uh, breakfast, pre-game function, including food and drinks, premier reserve seating involved as well at one of the premier stadiums around the world, Optus Stadium promise you that. Thanks to Ballpark Entertainment on SCNZ for your support there. We'll be back very shortly, hopefully, hopefully with a call or two and some more texts and maybe some more forthright opinion from John Day since you're so damn popular. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
1: SCNZ. It
2: is 9.47 here on SCNZ on this Wednesday morning. Some pretty hot topics uh, for you to call in and talk about. Toddy's on the line from Northland. Morning, Toddy.
9: Hey, Smithy. How are you?
2: Yeah, good, mate. I'm very, very good. I'm happy I'm not an Aucklander at the moment. I know some of the money's going to come out of my my wages anyway, but uh, Auckland might be suffering a bit more.
9: Mate, it's pretty tough. I mean, with uh, just regarding the America's Cup, um, I mean, if if COVID didn't happen and and everything sort of came together like it probably, like we all hoped, it probably would have been a rip-roaring success, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, everything happened that happened. And it failed. And and I think going forward, that's the thing that um, these guys have to understand, that there isn't the big, endless pot of money that some people think is there and some people are spending like it probably is there. Um, they, they can't throw that sort of money back at it again. And ratepayers and, and everyone else and council and, and all that, they, they want a return on, on that money that they put in, um, and it just hasn't happened. Um, so... As the average working person, the America's Cup, for me to to watch it on TV, just like I did last time around, Mm. um, cool. All for it. I'm stoked. I'll watch it, and and I'm into it. And I love watching it high definition. It's amazing watching these boats fly around the course. It's awesome. But to say, yep, let's chuck hundreds of millions of dollars in it to get it back here. No
2: chance. Yes, no, yeah, interesting, no, no point, no chance. interesting point you make about the money. Uh, 14 cents in the dollar they forecast making. Every dollar they invested, they were anticipating making 14% on their money. That, that's a great return in any environment. They've ended up losing 28 cents in the dollar. Uh, that's the fact of the matter. Uh, and I think Toddy, to be fair, looking forward, if you're organising anything big these days, anything big which possibly involves uh, uh, input from outside of, uh, of New Zealand, anything where we you're expecting people to come and participate or whatever, uh, you've got to factor that in now and we don't know how long, how far forward you're going to have to do that.
9: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the challenge. Like they can say, oh, it's in two years' time, things could recover by then. Yeah, but we're making a commitment now and this this climate and chances are it may not be back to where we want it to be. So Anyway, um, as, as a watcher, yep. right into it. I'll watch it on TV no matter where it is. It's, it's all good. Great.
2: Well, you're uh, in the majority. Uh, you know, the, 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 the specific yachty, knowledgeable yachty people uh, and the minority in this country, it's it's us. And I'm, I'm with you on this boat, uh, and that's a bad pun. But uh, we, we basically, we're, we're in the majority, mate. How, how, do you stand, how do you stand on the Warriors in, in a, a similar scenario, really? Oh. Like Cameron George is saying it's mate. cost us millions.
9: It would have, and go the Mighty Warriors, firstly. Um, and I think as a season ticket holder for a long period of time, and we've always been club members in one way or another, um, for this to happen is absolutely devastating as, as a fan. Um, and I think um, the biggest concern as a fan and you know, someone who, who goes to the games and all that sort of stuff is will there be a club based in New Zealand next year And if not, will they survive? Um, Or will they have to come back in in another form or another? Um, That's probably the biggest concern. Um, And I know that's probably on the extreme end, but I think it could be a reality. But as far as I go as what's happening on the field. I think, especially that game in the weekend, like with what happened with the injuries and stuff like that, you couldn't really ask for a better performance. And you've got to remember that these guys aren't, there's no support over there for them. Um, other than sort of what they're hearing through the social media channels and all this. And to be honest, it's probably not that great anyway. Um, and I think, yeah, it, they're in a real tough position, aren't they? Um, and I think you've just got to watch every game and sort of take it at face value and say, look, are they putting the effort in? Yes. Are they going to beat teams like Manly, Rabbitohs, Panthers? Um, no. Let's be honest. Um yeah, and that's sort of where I'm positioned with it. you just got to sort of take it face value and just look at the effort they're putting in and hopefully there's a few moments that come for the rest of the year
2: yep Toddy from Northland you sound like the kind of bloke I'd love to have a beer with I think we agree on about 100% of the things that you've just said uh, thanks for your call uh, and from my money at the moment you're a hot favourite to be going to Perth brother uh, you can go and watch the All Blacks so thanks very much Toddy for your call folks make sure that uh, you call in too to be part of that opportunity to win that great prize uh, I'll be back shortly with my multi I'm over for 2 I'm dark
1: from behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
10: You got to know when, when Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
0: Bed live on your favourite sports. It's Download our today.
2: Pretty average performance, to be fair. Uh, I'm guilty. Yesterday, badly let down by the Dodgers bullpen. They uh, we were hanging in there for a long period of time and they folded and gave away four runs in one innings and uh, that was the end of the penny section. So today we're going to go a triple multi and have a go to see uh, if we get our first success. Big game of basketball today in the NBA. It's game six of the NBA grand finals. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks are at home. If they win today, they wrap it up. They'd dearly love to do that. And I think they will at a fifty. I think they will beat the Phoenix Suns, who have been brave, but they won't be good enough today. Michael, email, we had this yesterday, but the game was postponed. So we're going to go in tonight. I've got faith in Michael good bloke. Uh, he's going to beat Lopez at fifty eight. That's tennis, coming in from Gestade. Uh And uh, I'm going to stick with baseball. I have to stick with baseball for my third one. So we're going the White Sox today, Chicago White Sox. Kuchel on the mound. Uh, he's got a 7-3 record at the moment, so I'm putting my faith in that to get become an 8-3 record. They're at a buck sixty five to beat the Minnesota Twins. Uh, that's at $3.91, that multi. So uh, don't forget uh, if you're going to have uh, a, a punt Do it responsibly, tab.co.nz. That's uh, the app you want to go to. Uh, So please, if you're going to do that, download download the app uh, and follow me. Follow me. Uh, On the subject of apps, actually, uh, download our one, S-E-N-Z, uh, and that is because it'll give you the information on the frequencies around the country. The, the reason I say that, I've, I've watched a lot of texts come in, people listening on the app, uh, they're wanting to know what our frequencies are. They are there on that app, S-E-N-Z app. So that's important for, for you to know. So get that on your phone, uh, and you can hear the program quite clearly if you're driving along and whatever. Uh, and if you haven't been able to get the reception on your car, radio, or whatever, you can hear it on the app. But get that app going. Uh, more text, please. After the break, uh, but we've also got a really, really important guest on the Laurel Laurel Hubbard issue. It's not going to go away. That's if the Olympics go ahead. Might find out, find out more about that right now. Here's Trudy with the news?
4: for sport.
6: Good morning, it's 10 o'clock. I'm Trudy Nelson with SNZ News. National Party's leader Judith Collins is warning we may see backlash from China after our GCSB's condemnation of the country. New Zealand has joined NATO and the EU in criticising what's described as malicious state-sponsored cyber attacks by China affecting countries around the globe. Nine of 22 crew members on a container ship docked at Bluff have now tested positive for COVID. The Matina came into port Sunday night through Jakarta from Fremantle, with authorities here questioning why it was allowed to leave Perth and then bring the virus to the bottom of the South Island. Our travel bubble with them popped at midnight and South Australia will now spend the next seven days in lockdown as authorities try to desperately contain a COVID outbreak of the fast-moving Delta variant. Three of Australia's six states are now in lockdown, so about 13 million of our Aussie mates are not able to leave their homes and only for essential reasons. Associate Minister of Housing Portal Williams heads to Westport today to get a first-hand view of the damage caused by the severe flooding that ravaged the West Coast over the weekend. He will also activate the temporary accommodation service to help those whose homes were red stickered by extreme weather. And Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos tweeted, best day ever after his historic space flight overnight and oddly thanked his shoppers. The world's richest man soared 107 kilometres above the Texas desert aboard Blue Origin's New Shepard launch vehicle, and he has returned safely to Earth, ready to bring his new era of private commercial space tourism to the masses. Oh, that's if you have a cool 400 grand to spare. SENZ Radio.nz Sport coming up.
5: The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere,
6: anytime. All Black's lock and sky super rugby trans-Tasman winning blues captain Patrick Tuipulotu has inked a long-term deal with New Zealand rugby and the blues, which will see him leave for a playing sabbatical in Japan before returning home. 28-year-old Tuipulotu, who has played 38 tests since making his AB's debut in 2014, has signed a long-term contract through to 2025 for both club and country, the first All Black to do so. And New Zealand sprint star Eddie Osein-Nketiah is in talks with the Crusaders rugby crew after his snub. From the Olympics.
7: Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants, powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years.
6: Fine breaks for our Wednesday after scattered showers clear away today for the North Island. To the south, wet on the west coast. Briefly heavy this evening too, but fine, Canterbury through to Southland. And from six tonight, we go across the ditch. The captain's run with Cam Smith on SENZ.
1: This is Mornings with Ian Smith.
2: It is ten oh three here, a Wednesday morning, Lotto day. That reminds me, so I might have a spare four hundred grand tomorrow morning to go on one of those flights. Yeah, right. Uh, look, we've got a busy uh, next hour coming up. Uh, included in that, we're going to be talking to Alan Bunting, the Black Ferns sevens coach, and they are hot, hot favourites for uh, a gold medal in particular. Uh, I think they're all are given to stand on the dais, put it that way, uh, and gold is what they're heading for. Uh, we're going to have a panel, of course, with uh, Hugh Bainan and Andrew Gordy. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I think uh, Andrew Gordy in particular, he won't like having to fork out for a $156 million bill. Uh, And, uh, of course, we're going to be talking to Louis Herman Watt uh, about racing uh, and uh, Pomawati from the TAB. So all those people to talk to as well. But we're going to begin uh, again with this Laurel Hubbard issue. Uh, Now, uh, we, we talked yesterday to Holly Thorpe, who was fantastic uh, and gave us one perspective side of things. Uh, But the lady we're about to talk to now has gone through the transition. She went through this transition at the age of 47 back in 2004. Uh, Joanna Harper is actually also a competitive running athlete. Uh, Went through university, born in Canada, went through university uh, and was quite a competitive uh, baseball player, basketball player. Uh, But the whole time, of course, was not feeling good about the body she was living in and the life she wanted to lead. Uh, And in the end, at the age of 47, Joanna Harper did something about it. Uh, From that point onwards, she's been very busy in terms of being a consultant as high as the uh, International Olympic Committee and World Rugby. That's how well respected her views are. So it's a great pleasure to have her on the show this morning. Um, Joanna, thanks very much for joining us. Welcome. Now, listen, uh, first of all, you're a scientist, first and foremost, Uh, you're a runner. Uh, you're a researcher. You're an author. You've written a book called uh, Sporting Gender, The History, Science, and S- Stories of Transgender and Intersex Athletes. I mean, you're a transgender person yourself. You transitioned at the age of 47. You're huge on this issue, which, of course, is becoming very big in our nation.
10: Um, yeah,
2: so what do you want to know? I want to know. What do you want to know? Right, well, let, let's get down to it. I mean, you're also... you. You've been advising... Uh, the Olympic body you've been advising uh, world rugby on the participation of transgender athletes is that correct
10: those two and many other international sporting federations so
2: the the rugby one in particular rugby of course being our national sport uh, the world rugby board basically said no to it you argued against that Um, why did you why were you so adamant about transgender athletes taking part in world rugby
10: well, first of all, I think World Rugby has a, a very justifiable concern over safety. Trans women are on average taller, bigger, and stronger than, than cisgender or typical women. And, and so World Rugby is, is has a valid concern. However, I don't think it's necessary to entirely ban trans women from, from international level rugby. In, in fact, no trans woman has ever qualified for her national team. So so no trans woman is actually getting banned by this ban, but I suggested limiting each national team to one trans woman. Thereby, very few tackles would be made by trans women and any risk from them would be small.
2: And their reaction to that was no. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> well, look, If we go from rugby across the, the subject, uh, which is on a lot of people's minds in New Zealand, and that's the participation of of, uh, Laurel Hubbard and uh, the weightlifting at the forthcoming Tokyo Games. Uh, It's all about, I think, educating the New Zealand people about hormones, testosterone, levels of which, uh, and you're very, very qualified to talk about that. At this stage, the levels of hormones uh, of uh, men are 10 to 15 times greater than those of, of women, correct? So, that you know, men run faster at this stage, larger muscles, denser bones, leaner body mass. Is, is that the way you see it in terms of Laurel Hubbard and weightlifting?
10: Well, Laurel Hubbard isn't a man. But everything you said is true about men. But trans women who go on hormone therapy lose muscle mass, they lose strength, they, they lose many of the attributes um, that, that cisgender men have. And even before trans women start hormone therapy, trans women are less strong on average than cisgender men. So so it, it's wrong just to look at this in terms of men versus women. The important question is, you know, what attributes do transgender women have? And, and that's something we don't entirely know. But... Um, Laurel Hubbard's in a field of fourteen athletes. She's not going to win. She may place anywhere from third to fourteenth. <clears throat> is, is that not a reasonable competition?
2: What say she was a medalist? I mean, uh, if she if she stands on the dais, uh, I mean, with, it's already been protests in London. You would have. Read about those outside the High Commissioner's uh, New Zealand High Commission office. Uh, there have been petitions signed. Uh, in this part of the world, uh, it's very much, uh, I think, because we're so uneducated on the subject. It's very much against Laurel Hubbard taking part. If she was uh, to perhaps succeed and perhaps get a medal uh, and stand on the dais, does it make the subject even more volatile?
10: Absolutely. Um, you, you know, and, and I have mixed feelings about it. I'd, I'd like to see her do well. Um, but, but yeah, the the dividing line is a medal. If she stands on the, as you say, it will inflame passions even further.
2: So uh, this is basically, uh, I mean, uh, in your case, you'll be... Whilst you've got reservations, you'd be really excited about this, surely, because this is a litmus test, isn't it, on the world stage? This is, this is um, really, really big from a transgender point of view.
10: Yeah, Laura will be one of three transgender athletes in Tokyo, and there's never been an openly trans athlete at the Olympics. Uh, Canadian footballer Quinn uh, will be playing, and um, uh, American BMX freestyle rider. Chelsea Wolfe will be an alternate Um, but all the
2: attention is going to be on Laurel. My point of view is, I've thought, if if it wasn't weightlifting, say, for instance, uh, Laurel Hubbard was involved in a contact sport, perhaps, say, boxing. Now, you've had a great debate, I think, uh, with Piers Morgan on this subject (laughs) uh, over over Floyd Mayweather, in fact. You said if, if if Floyd Mayweather had one year of transitioning, you would be happy, happy for him, to fight a woman. Uh, Is that the case?
10: Well, that's not exactly what I said. First of all, um, while trans women are taller, bigger and stronger, we divide sports like weightlifting and and, uh, boxing into weight categories. And and so trans women aren't going to be bigger than the women in the weight category. And while trans women are stronger, we don't know for sure if trans women are pound for pound stronger. The problem with that potentially comes in with the very largest weight category. And and this fictitious, I should add, Flo Meriwether is is someone who would be hugely outsized compared to the largest women's weight category. And and so there could easily be a a big mismatch based on size. What I said to Pierce was if there was somebody... Who was equally sized to this fictitious Flo Merowether? Yes, I would be okay, and and sized not just like in that, uh, you know, a, a large woman, um, you know, maybe like Valerie Adams sort of type woman who wanted to get in the ring with this fictitious Flo Merowether. Then yeah,
2: okay, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> okay, let's uh, l- let's uh, take a, a, another look at it. Then what qualities? a person who is transitioning, do they retain? Okay, from, from going to male to female, uh, and you, it's, we're talking post-puberty here or later in life, obviously, so what, what qualities or, or what strengths, et cetera, in, part, in terms of their body, do they retain? Do they not lose?
10: Well, height, height's not gonna go away at all. Um, bone mass changes really slowly, but uh, bone mass is kind of a two-edged thing. It can be protective, uh, it can be something you build muscle on. But you also have to move that bone mass around. And trans women lose strength. They lose aerobic capacity. So that this bone mass may actually hinder them in terms of quickness, recovery, and, and other things. So, so the bone mass thing is kind of a wash. Trans women will maintain some amount of strength. The entire strength advantage for trans women won't go away. We're not really sure yet
2: how much is maintained. So, in essence, Joanna, what you're saying is, uh, and I, I, I sort of gleaned this from, from uh, what you've been talking about, there's more, uh, is there's more disadvantages, actually, uh, from your point of view for a transgender athlete than there are advantages, because that is the big argument, the advantage scenario.
10: Well, I'm not trying sure to say more disadvantages. In terms of physiology, that may not be true, but you know, trans people have all kinds of disadvantages in life that aren't physiologically based. Uh, trans people are only one-sixth as likely to go out for organized sport to start with because of the discrimination they face. So, so yeah, trans people have a lot of disadvantages. There are some advantages, and we're not entirely sure yet how all this works out.
2: Joanna Harper, thank you very much for your time. Uh, well researched, of course, out of Lothborough University in London, transgender runner herself. Uh, Joanna, thanks very much uh, for giving us those thoughts. It, uh, it's really important that I think New Zealand people become more educated over the whole thing. And I, I guess like all of us, you'll be watching Laurel Hubbard very, very carefully.
10: Very carefully. Thanks for talking to me.
2: Uh, and thank you very much indeed. So Joanna Harper there, um, and she works out of Loughborough University in London and is full-time a scientist looking into uh, the transitioning of uh, athletes, uh, the advantages, disadvantages, whatever, and uh, obviously firmly in the camp there of, uh, of Laurel Hubbard. And a lot of people are, uh, but more people aren't at the moment. Uh, are we changing your mind? Send us a text, 8833. Uh, we'll get to the other side of the, the ledger as well uh, as time goes on. Not that far away. It's not that far away, the Olympics. Not that far away for Laurel either. Okay, right. Uh, coming up uh, in the next uh, half hour or so, we've got Alan Bunting, Blackfern's seven coach, uh, and the panel. We've got uh, Hugh Bainon and Andrew Gordy. It's uh, all before 11 o'clock.
1: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
2: SENZ. Yes, and it's 10.20 on this particular Wednesday morning. Alan Bunting uh, is a name synonymous with rugby, but in particular, Sevens rugby. Uh, He's been part of the Black Seven coaching staff since... uh, 2012. Actually, he was uh, assistant coach when we won the silver there. We got knocked over by Australia. I remember it very well. We had high hopes of the gold but uh, it wasn't to be. Uh, Alan's been a professional rugby player playing for the All Black Sevens team, the Chiefs, the Bay Plenty Steamers and the Tokyo Gas. So it's not as if he's going to foreign lands. He's got that uh, up his sleeve. Uh, the Black Fern Sevens uh, rugby champions have won eight of the 11 World Cup Series tournaments played in the last two years, 2019-2020. But like everyone in the sporting world, they've been pretty much unemployed uh, during uh, the virus and they've had to make do with their own preparations. So first of all, uh, good morning to you, Alan. Uh, where are you and the squad as we speak?
11: Uh, Mōrēna, and uh, in, in New Zealand back home, um, we're in Townsville at the moment We. Got a group flying out today over to Tokyo. Um, our men hit head, it uh, out yesterday, and then the rest of us go off tomorrow. So um, we sort of we're ready, we're ready for the next part of our adventure, and excited about that.
2: I was, just, I was just going to say, being in Australia, trying to get somewhere is, is probably a little bit dodgy at the moment. So hopefully uh, there will be no issues and you can get out on that flight uh, on time. What is the mood in the camp? Because of these Olympic Games, this is so much different. There's so much speculation about where, when, how, if. Uh, I guess you've just got a box on regardless. But, it, you know, human nature says you've got to be very interested in what's going on.
11: Yeah, yeah, we yeah we know that things can change pretty quickly, and it's been like that for the last year. And we've just been going day by day, and every time we get our feet out on the grass, we're really grateful for that, and we enjoy each moment. We work really hard and uh, put all our energy into each day. And if we get to do it again the next day, we you know we're grateful for that. So I, I guess um, you know we've had an amazing time here in Aussie. We've had some warmer weather. Um, we've had to say goodbye to some ladies that have worked really really hard, which has been tough. Um, but, you know, they're, they're with us and they give us their blessings. And I guess the next step is um, it's almost like stepping into a game, you know, got to cover up and do everything we can. Uh, you know, an hour in our end, as long as we do that, then we sort of can't control who's near us or who's around us. And you now we all get out on, on the grass and that would be great. Um, but whoever does get through and, you know, they have got to try and represent our countries and our families the best they can. And you now we just, with the whole year, it's been, you know, with us. Um, you know, with the possibility of not being able to go to the Olympics and now there is a possibility and so we just you know, we just whatever comes and every chance we and even if we get to have one training we'll be grateful for that over in Tokyo and you know, we are gonna get to sit in business class which is going <laughs> great, so we'll go and enjoy that. <laughs> so we're looking at the we're looking at the things we do have and you know, we do get a bit more and we do get to play and represent our country in an Olympics which will, will be different. Then um, that'd be great, and you know we've done everything our end, and we're we're at peace with that. And hopefully we get the opportunity.
2: We all hope that, and we all hope it goes ahead uh, and uh, glitch-free as well. That's the most important thing, Alan. Uh, you were able, of course, to play uh, some footy against Australia. I saw you at Eden Park, and over that weekend uh, in Auckland, you were able to just have a look at where they're at. You had your extended squad at that point, so you're still answering a few of your own questions. I'm sure about the makeup of your squad. Uh, Australia, one of the biggest rivals again is playing through champions.
11: Yeah, they're, they're a good um, yeah, sevens team. They have been right throughout, you know, the first cycle and, and, this cycle and certainly stamped their mark at the Olympics and, and thoroughly deserve that. Um, but yeah, we, we sort of got to a point in Auckland where we were um, you're going through a, a bit of stuff and we were looking at certain players and that we you know, we're pretty in about you know we've had some ladies doing the job for a long time. We had a lot of faith, and we've got some really good depth growing. So we, you know, since Auckland, we wanted to really evolve and and work on a couple of things, and it sort of meant narrowing our focus for us and going back to what's been really successful for us, and and then working on a few, putting a bit of icing on the cake if we get a chance to play at the Olympics. So we're really happy with our evolution over that since Auckland to to now, and and um, this little bit was about preparing for the teams that we. Um, should be coming up against uh, in, uh, in the first couple of days. Um, so we can take care of that. We'll get, we'll get a good look at the, the other teams and over the you know, the first couple of days that we might um, jump into. So most of our energy has gone on to us and what we can control and what's been successful for us.
2: You have a lot of experience in your side. Uh, I watched uh, as you played those matches in that weekend uh, over Auckland. Uh, you were dominant, uh, I think, but you were holding things back. Is that fair to say? Um, no, I think,
11: I, I think we were trying too hard, you know, we hadn't wow. 10 okay. for a long time and, and um, we had probably, uh, you know, a lot of players trying to do a little bit too much and we went away, we went a little bit away from what we sort of knew quite well, which was, was great because we got that out of our system um, pretty early and, and we learned what was, you know, what worked best for us and, and, and we were, we, we sort of, we, we did what we've done for the last few years really and we, we did we we have held back a couple of things for the Olympics, but sevens is, you know, it's about sort of controlling what you can control, but a lot can be out of your control, and it's about adaptability and the connection and trying to play a team game rather than going individual, and I think the best game for us was when we were down by quite a bit, Mm. and then I left that experienced crew on the field for quite a while and they they worked it out in the end. You know, sevens is a short game, you only get seven minutes, then you get a couple of minutes of sort of you know what's happening? what can we do? What's the one or two things we can do, and let's go out and do it and It was in the last probably three minutes when we actually started playing how we wanted to play, and you know forty minutes is actually a long time of you if your' patient and your you play as a team and things start panning out and then you assess what we need to do and and go so you know we got got some real good learnings and you know the biggest thing with with sevens is we try and rush sometimes you can really try and rush to that victory, but you've got to, you've gotta work on patience and tolerance and and have faith that, you know, one point will do the job. It doesn't need to be 10 or 20 or 30 points.
2: You've got flair, but within that flair, of course, you've got to have structure. You've got some amazing firepower. I look at the likes of uh, Michaela Blyde, who who is one of the most punishing finishers I've ever seen, and, and man, does she quick. Portia Woodman, well, he's, she, her name is Historic in the game of sevens, Teresa Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Names like that, so many attacking we- weapons for you to use. It's uh, pretty much a luxury a lot of coaches would like to have.
11: Oh yeah, we're certainly blessed, um, you know, with the talent that we have here, and that's certainly not my fault. You know, that's the fault of their ancestors and their parents, and you know, our job is to to bring that to life as much as we can, on and off the field. And yeah, we're certainly very, very blessed with the talent, and you know, it's not, you know, those players certainly finish really well, but. You know, they've got to get the ball and get the ball on a bit of space, and they're pretty lucky they don't need much space. But there's a lot of work that goes on in the inside to be able to, you know, produce that because the players are really, you know, the other teams are really aware of the talent they have got, and um, so the players around have to work really hard to make sure they get the ball.
2: On that subject, you've got a uh, you had a workhorse, you had a workhorse, uh, a terrific one, and Niall Williams lost to a neck injury. Uh, that was a blow for the squad. Uh, how have you managed to look at uh, compensating for that?
11: Yeah, yeah, heart sort of goes back to Niz. We've been communicating with her quite a bit. She's a, you know, not only does she, is she a workhorse on the field, she's a massive part of our, our leadership group. You know, she's a mum and brings a lot of life experience too. But, yeah, we've been, we've been working really hard over the last four or five years. we grown depth too, and you know, we've got some young ones that are really pushing the ones that have been there for a while, which is great for the future of our team. And, um, yes, we'll, we'll miss Niall. Oh, she's, um, you know, she's got a mindset that, she doesn't need reminding and it's a really aggressive one and just a determined, like her body probably doesn't match what her mind wants to do. And I think that was a message, hey, you need to stop for a bit and look after yourself and look after your family. And yep. But we've got some real good young ones coming through that um, you know will bring us something a little bit different, but we certainly do miss Niall.
2: 2.30pm, Thursday the 29th, uh, your tournament kicks off Pool A against Kenya. But before that, you have a presence at the opening ceremony. Uh, you've got a flag bearer. This is an amazing story, this, Sarah Hirani. Uh, this is such an honour to be able to carry the flag into the stadium. I know it's going to be a different ceremony this time round, but that uh, just an illustration of uh, the mana she's held in uh, and what makes, her, what makes her so special that she's been given this honour uh, and, and her presence in the squad.
11: Uh, geez, um, yeah, she's an amazing human being. She's just her loyalty. You know, if she believes in something, she'll just get it. Dedicate her life, mind, body, and soul to, and she's given that to the team, and you know, she inspires our team every day with what she does and what she says, and, and a lot of young ladies around there in the world, and and people, and you know, for her to receive that, you know, you gave me goosebumps just saying that again. And when I first heard it before, she knew I c- I couldn't sort of walk around her without telling her. and so I had to wait for a little bit. But when she heard, you know, she she was just absolutely shocked. And she's such a humble, humble young lady. And um, that's why uh, our first groups going over today a little bit earlier so that um, they can go and support Sarah however they can. And and we'll be watching back here, really, really proud. And um, yeah, we, we're spoke for her. And she's certainly very honoured to receive that.
2: Alan Bunting, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, you're wearing the favourites tag. Uh, you, uh, I've got to say, it's not always an easy thing to do, but uh, the confidence that exudes from your squad that I've seen firsthand, I think you're going to wear it very well, and uh, you'll be on the dais, I'm absolutely certain. Thanks for your time this morning. It is 10.30, and it's time for Trudy and the News. The
5: all-new SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport.
6: It's 10.30 making SENZ news this hour. Auckland's Mayor Phil Goff says the city has lasting infrastructure from the America's Cup Council spending, despite an overall $156 million loss from hosting the event in March. Anthony Fauci, America's top infectious diseases expert, has confronted a senator during Capitol Hill testimony after an insinuation that the US helped fund research at a Chinese lab that could have sparked the COVID outbreak. Meantime, the Matina, at Bluff, is under thorough investigation this morning after nine of its 22 crew tested positive for COVID and South Australia has now joined New South Wales and Victoria in lockdown. Former Hollywood heavyweight and convicted sex offender Harvey Weinstein has been extradited to California to face further rape charges. And researchers say wild pigs down under are having the same impact on our climate as a million cars. Global change biology shows by uprooting carbon trapped in the soil, wild pigs are releasing about 5 million tonnes of carbon dioxide a year. That's equivalent to 1.1 million cars. SENZ Radio.nz Sport coming up.
4: The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favorite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime.
6: Patrick Tuipilotu has this morning confirmed a Japan sabbatical in an amended and first of its kind All Blacks Blues club and country contract. And as well as South African footballers, an American gymnast and tennis player, plus a Czech beach volleyballer, Mexican baseballers are the latest Olympic athletes to test positive for COVID. And as numbers rise in Tokyo, with opposition to the Games going ahead growing, Toyota's pulled their sponsorship for the Olympics and Chief Toshiro Muto has not ruled out cancelling the Games if COVID cases spike. At an Overnight media conference, Muto confirmed he's keeping a very close eye on infection numbers in the athletes' village. The
8: legends are true. Overwhelming power. Source of
4: destiny. Yes.
7: Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants, powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years.
6: Long fine breaks for our Wednesday after scattered showers clear away today for the North Island. To the south, wet on the west coast, briefly heavy this evening too, but fine Canterbury through to Southland. And from six tonight, we go across the ditch. The captain's run with Cam Smith on SENZ.
0: Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well,
6: every day we're going to have
2: a a panel here on uh, SENZ around about this time. Uh, Today, we're going to mix it up. Today we've got two very learned gentlemen. We've got Hugh Bainon, uh, of course, and Andrew Gordy. Gord's reads uh, the news uh, on TV3. I'm going to start with Andrew Gordy because uh, you had to read the story about the $156 million uh, last year in Auckland.er How did you take that on the chin, pal?
12: Uh, morning to you, Smitty. Um I, I didn't look. I was expecting it, to be honest. I think we we're all probably expecting it. Were, were you expecting that sort of that sort of figure, or is it more than you were expecting?
2: Well, I'm sort of I'm an out of towner like you. I don't muck around here up in Auckland. But to be fair, uh, like I, I knew it wasn't going to be good. How could the news possibly be good? Yeah. But was it 156 million dollar bad? I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm with
12: you on that. It is probably more that, than I was anticipating. But do you know what? I'm happy to cop that, so long as as long as Grant Dalton and Team New Zealands allow the country to cash in on that by bringing the regatta back here next time. Because as much as it did cost a lot of money, unlike other major tournaments, you know your your Rugby World Cups, football World Cups, at least with the Americas Cup, you have an opportunity to take that that regatta or that tournament, if you want to put it in those terms, wherever you want. So yes, it cost New Zealand a lot of to- a lot of money this time around. But New Zealand will surely be in a position to cash in on that if they bring the regatta back here. So really, I don't think we'll be able to judge until sort of the fullness of time, I suppose, whether that's been a waste of money or not.
2: Hugh, what are your feelings on this? Because uh, it's a pretty hot topic, to be fair. I mean, if it's uh, leading the news, it's big.
13: It certainly is. Morning, gents. I'm coming from a little bit of a different angle, I guess, because I'm not in Auckland anymore. I, I was there for 12 years. I now live down in Nelson. This is my first America's Cup not living in Auckland. And she she was quiet. I mean, I'm sure the Yacht Club in Nelson had their own little thing on the go, but otherwise I struggled to find anyone who really cared. Um, so very different view not living in Auckland. But I kind of agree with you, Gord. You have to pay for nice things, right, <laughs> in life. Um, now yep. the question for me is, is that nice thing worth it for the whole country? I think there's so many benefits for Auckland. Clearly, the waterfront is world-class, and that wouldn't have happened without the America's Cup. Um, but that's the big question for me. Is it worth it for the rest of the country as well to pay that much for that nice
2: thing? Kiwi. Uh, if I can call you Huey, we've hardly met in person, but I just like the sound of Huey. and it's H-U-W, which is very Welsh, I've got to say. Uh, Hughie, uh you're a basketball man, you commentate basketball on Sky, huge game this afternoon, not that far away, the Bucks at home to Phoenix, it's game six, the Bucks win it, they are the NBA champions, how do you see it going?
13: Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? And trust the NBA playoffs to always give it the drama and a bit of intrigue. And especially this year, without two big market teams, that's been the most interesting thing for me. All year we're talking about, you know, we're talking about your LAs. We're always talking about your New Yorks and your Boston Celtics. And But Milwaukee against Phoenix, the Twins, as they're known, because they came into the league at the same time as expansion teams way back in the day before the NBA incorporated the whole country. So really excited there's two smaller market teams but with the big names in there, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who said no to moving to one of those big franchises a couple of years ago and stuck with it. I see it going the Bucks way, Smitty. I think in all sport, but especially in the NBA, the evidence proves that you have to go through the heartache and the pain to get the rewards. They've been through that over the last couple of years in the playoffs. They've lost close series. They've lost series in which they've been up. This Phoenix side... I've just come in, they're relatively new group together. So I think they're going to have their day, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it's going to be Milwaukee's year.
2: i got to say, I totally agree with you, Gord. So we're reading stories this morning. Uh, Olympics Chief Toshiro Muto, he's the chief from a Japanese point of view, has not ruled out cancelling the Games. On the other side of the ledger, we've got Thomas Bark, who is the boss, the president, saying that's never been an option. How are you reading the scenario now in terms of it going on? <laughs>
12: Oh, I love this. I, 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 love, I love that everyone is too scared to say the wrong thing. Uh, and then when someone does, you know, step out of line, there's, there's panic from the IOC. It, honestly, this, this whole thing, for the last year, has just made me laugh, to be honest, because you know exactly what's at play here. This is all about money. And, and honestly, when, when, when the head of the, the local organising committee says, it, it's still a possibility that this thing could be cancelled, I actually believe him because I think... I mean, you know how all this stuff works, Smithy. I'm sure if the IOC were to cancel the Olympics or postpone the Olympics, this all comes down to insurance, money, sponsorship, the whole commercial side of things. Now, I'm sure that they probably can cancel the Olympics if it got to the point where, quite simply, the Olympics could not go ahead. But I think you have to prove that it has reached that point before you say... This whole thing's off because if they don't, then I'm sure the insurance won't pay out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, I still believe that that they could cancel it. Do I think they will cancel it at this point? Probably not. It would really need to get to catastrophic levels
2: inside the uh, Athletes College for, for us to get to that so. Yeah, t- t- My point of view is this, uh, you know, w- we're getting these stories coming back but uh, there are very small numbers in terms of the uh, total number of athletes participating. It's the fact that the virus is there, it's present there that, that I think is scaring everybody but not to the levels at this stage yet which are, are not manageable and they seem to have precautions uh, all in place. So Hugh, what's, what's your take on that? I, I mean, uh, are we sort of, because of these little bits of news that are filtering through, uh, are are we overstating it? Is it it likely to be better on the ground than we're finding here?
13: Potentially. One thing that really interests me, Smithy, is is this going to be now the the case study going forward for big sporting events? You know, they've got the rest of the big sporting federations holding their breath about if they can hold their next event. A lot of them are going to see how Tokyo goes, right? Can they do an Olympic Games with COVID present? Will it affect the actual sports too much? And then will other federations go, hang on, they did it. And even though a few athletes did get it, you know, one thing for me is I actually find myself pretty disinterested with the Olympics for the first time in a long time because of this, because of those crowds, because of, yeah, because of lots of top athletes not going, because we know the times and stuff are going to be down. Are we really going to see the best of the best at their best? Um, Given everything. So it's kind of put me off the whole thing. And if they canned it tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, you know, probably the right decision. See you in three years.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Also, I'll never be disinterested in the Olympics. It's in my system. I've never been to one, but never obviously competed in one, but it's in me, and so that's why uh, the, the upside, the positive side of Ian Smith says let's get, let's get on with it, and it starts tonight. Gord's. there's another uh, social and moral issue, uh, and I, I, you're going to be talking about this a lot in the bulletins you read. The closer it gets and when it happens is Laurel Hubbard. Where do you stand on this, mate?
12: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most interesting and, and challenging discussions or conversations that we're having in sport um, for quite some time, I think. Look, and and I'm not going to sit here and, and claim to be an expert on this. I'm clearly not, and I understand that there's uh, several sides to this argument. And and to uh, the one thing I would say is I do feel a bit sorry for Laurel Hubbard uh, at, at the moment because a it's she. She is essentially the guinea pig for all of this, isn't she? And and and, and it just the the horrible feeling it must be for her. She, she, I'm sure is proud. She's proud to. To, to do what she's doing, to represent New Zealand, but but she must also know that there are a lot of people who are un- uncomfortable with this, rightly or wrongly, um, and if she if she goes and wins a gold medal, for her, or any medal frankly, she is going to be a huge topic of conversation, it is going to be divisive, and I suppose all that we can hope is that she will ultimately, in the fullness of time, be, be seen as a trailblazer, and, and someone who has, I suppose... Uh, Slam the door open for a conversation about how we perhaps uh, view, view transgender people, uh, but also how they might be, uh, I suppose, allowed to compete at the Olympic Games moving forward. Now, whether, whether rules change uh, beyond this point remains to be seen, but I think as you heard Thomas Bach say the other day, I know he was a bit sort of... He very much sat on the fence, but as he quite rightly pointed out, the rules are the rules and all she is doing is competing by the rules and that's that's all she can do. I, I, I wish her the best and I, and I really hope that if she is successful at this Olympics that New Zealanders celebrate her success in the same way that they would Lisa Carrington or, or, you know, Tuuk and Berlin winning a gold medal as well. I certainly hope that's
2: the case. Andrew Gordy and Hugh Bain, they were the panel this morning. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Some very learned thoughts there. Uh, After the break, we'll look at some of your texts and some really interesting ones coming in. That is a hot subject within itself. Text us or even call us if you like. Uh, Really, should the Olympics now be going ahead? It's a simple question. Yay or nay?
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Mountain of text. I'm going to get to those in a minute, but the caller of the month will win a trip for two to the Perth Slow Cup fixture. It uh, is a case of just calling us in and uh, making a point or two. 0800 our favourite caller, will we uh, wing winging its way and with his partner winging her way, his way, uh, all the way to Perth. Wonderful stadium, Optus too. Uh, and that's courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment on SENZ. Right, we asked for your thoughts, and here's some honest thoughts. Now, this may, the one or two of these texts might just rile you a wee bit, but uh, we've asked for your opinion, and here we go. So, from Spencer uh, in Tiawamutu. G'day, Smithy. Would there be such an uproar if Laurel looked like Maria Sharapova? Plus, I worry about her mental health. This debate at times, vehement debate, must be taking its toll. Nothing truer about that. And I hope, Spencer, she is being shielded as much as possible from that debate. We've got another response to that. Laurel Hubbard represents one of the first steps towards the, the destruction of women's sports. Now, these are passionate texts. Uh, I was a little bit resistant, you know, I'm so early in the piece here in this job about reading that kind of text out because I'm not quite sure of the reaction. But that is the way people are feeling. And, and you know, I, I think if we ask for your opinion, uh, we, we've sort of got to give it. Uh, Look, great interview, Smithy. Fascinating to hear experts talk about the Hubbard situation. It's such a difficult situation. Laurel Hubbard is going to wear the black singlet on the international stage, so I will be supporting her. So there's those sides, you know. And old Hoggy, Hoggy's going to be a regular on this show. He says, uh, are there any odds out on Laurel Hubbard actually picking up a medal? Chuck that in your multi, Hoggy. Chuck... Louis Herman Watt on the subject of uh, horses and gambling or whatever, Louis Herman Watt with us very shortly
1: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand Nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
0: The Love Racing Update Your home for everything thoroughbred racing Visit loveracing.nz racing's biggest fan.
2: You're home, for You're home for everything, actually. Thoroughbred Racing is loveracing.nz, and uh, because he's so good and so damn popular, we're extending this <laughs> slot. After two days, we've doubled your time, my friend. This is amazing. And they're running round today at Avondale on a heavy 11.
0: Oh, oh, man, I'm hard work for a breakfast producer. <laughs> Imagine that. Day three demanding more time with the doyen. <laughs> the absolute cheek
2: of it, <laughs> heavy eleven, eh? Oh, That's that. not a good.
0: it's not a good venue, really. A heavy eleven, is Just it? Embrace the challenge, Okay, movie. Sorry. Embrace the challenge for our friends at the TAB. We're having a bit be- double happy. Oh, they must have been listening this morning on the show. In the first barrier ten, Aaron Leighton getting three kgs off. Loves it wet. In from $6 to $5. Lovely little each way bet in the first. The other one, Smithy, I want to talk about is race 7. It's a sixty five, and there's a horse, Karuba Jack. It's drawn wide, which at that time of day will be very, very good. Can it cop the heavy track? Well, it's only had one try, and it won that race. Loves it at Avondale. Won from one at the course. It has won at the distance and placed a few times as well. That's Karuba Jack in the last. So we're bookending the card, Smithy. Yeah, well, I'm assuming Georgie Simon's calling them. Uh, I'm
2: not quite sure whether he is, but yep. it, and he'll be listening to us. And G'day, George. We'll be getting you on there uh, very shortly. Um, I like race two, the Twinkling. Okay, Sam Spratt. Uh, that's out of the, the Sean Ritchie and Colm Murray stable. I like it because it's favourite. And it's seventy. so yeah. you've obviously opened your purse strings. Well, it's be, I'm battling a wee bit with my multi, so I'm trying to get something in. And I just kind of just for confidence. So the twinkling for me,
0: I think that'll win race two. the whose idea was it to do a multi each day on the show? Was this forced upon you for some promotion or was this your idea? Well, it's, it's a bit of me. It's a bit of both.
2: Uh, and also the TAB, of course, wanted to be part of it. A big part of the show, as you well know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: so you're, you're collecting, you're rattling the tin for them, essentially. The worst part about it is I can
2: let you in on this, and I know my wife's not listening, is that as soon as I've left the show on the last two mornings, I've actually gone down to the right track on the way back to the hotel oh, you've and punted it. my own multi. So I've had, a, 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 and the, one of the reasons why, <laughs> one of the reasons why I feel a bit dark about this whole gig, is that I'm losing my hard end at the same yeah. time.
0: <laughs> I thought you were the bloke that said if you didn't punt when you started p- punting, you would be not on the station, you would be owning the station. So you don't need to listen to your own wisdom, Smithy. <laughs> Louis Herman Watt uh, with his wisdom there, if you can call it that. Loveracing.nz.
2: Uh, Louis is going to be with us every day. Let's...
4: The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport.
6: It's 11 o'clock. Good morning. I'm Trudy Nelson with ECNZ News. New Zealand got back just under half for every dollar spent on the America's Cup in March. MB's analysis shows events were badly impacted by COVID. The loss now down on our books is $156 million. There are now calls at government levels for global exposure to be considered when assessing future events. Associate Minister of Housing Poto Williams is in Westport today getting a first-hand view of the damage caused by severe flooding that ravaged the West Coast over the weekend. He has also activated the Temporary Accommodation Service to help those whose homes were red-stickered by extreme weather. Our travel bubble ended with South Australia at midnight. They'll now spend the next week in lockdown as health authorities there try to contain a new COVID outbreak. Three of Australia's six states are now in lockdown. Jeff Bezos has become the second billionaire to ride his own rocket. Blue Origin's New Shepard enjoyed a successful journey to space, reaching zero gravity for about three minutes. He says he's wanted to go to space since watching the first moon landing. And with a couple of sleeps till the opening ceremony in Tokyo, but under a COVID cloud, celebrations are being planned across the Tasman. The official announcement isn't till tonight, but Brisbane has started planning their party. They're expected to win the hosting rights this evening for the 2032 Olympics. And royal insiders saying the Queen may cancel Prince Harry and Meghan's inclusion in her 2022 Jubilee celebrations. She's allegedly upset about Harry's book. Some calling the Duke of Sussex's decision to release a tell-all memoir. At the same time as her celebrations, as deeply disrespectful. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport coming up.
5: The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere,
6: anytime. The Warriors will go into battle on Saturday against the Rabbitohs without Captain Roger Tuivasa sheck forwards Tohu Harris and Wade Egan, and centre Rocco Berry, who were all injured last weekend. New Zealand Sprint star Eddie Osean ketty and in talks with Crusaders rugby bosses after his snub from the Olympics. And all the upcoming Lions versus Springboks' matches will be played in Cape Town. The Springboks naming a strong squad this morning, including Captain Sia Khaleesi, who's been named to play after recovering from COVID.
7: Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants, powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years.
6: Long fine breaks for our Wednesday after scattered showers clear away today for the North Island. To the south, wet on the west coast. Briefly heavy this evening too, but fine Canterbury through to Southland. And from six tonight, we go across the ditch. The captain's run with Cam Smith on SENZ.
1: Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Whips that one away and
8: how appropriate. But Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson are there for this moment, for this team. It's a story that's akin to David versus Goliath. But Kane Williamson and his team are now world test champions and
2: living proof that sometimes, just sometimes, nice guys do finish first. Shivers down the spine stuff there from Simon Dahl. It's fantastic that a Kiwi could call a Kiwi success because this Kiwi's called a couple of close but not. Cigar sort of scenarios. I'm really, really pleased to have uh, joined the show here on SENZ this morning, the successful coach of the Black Caps. Of course, he was the coach of the Black Caps when they just missed out down the road at Lords, but not the case at Southampton. Good morning, Gary Stead. Hi, Smithy. How are you doing? Oh, look, uh, thrilled to have you back home, mate. Um, gosh, uh, uh, it's just been one of the great stories, uh, you know. It, it's a difficult time, a uh, kind of thing uh, to try to explain to people the World Test Championship because it's not a tournament; it's a progressive event. Um, but obviously, you're keeping, you're monitoring it, the points table the whole way through. Uh, it just it all fell into place very nicely for you.
8: Yeah, it did. And, and I guess first of all, just how it's been pretty humbling coming home and knowing the the support that we've had back here in New Zealand has been. Yeah, unbelievable, and and I guess hopefully we can help share that next week as well with with the Mace tour around the country and and get the New Zealand public to see it. But as you say, that the tournament itself it's it's long, um, it's tough to win because you have to beat very very good teams and you have to do it consistently. And and I guess it's one of the things I've been most proud of of the team is our ability to to not just win at home but also win in some difficult times as well.
2: And in some difficult conditions. I know it's, it's been a bit different because it, it, it happened some time ago and everything moves along very quickly in life these days. But uh, you've had two weeks in quarantine to reflect on the whole scenario. Uh, but when you turned up, when you first turned up to Southampton, the forecast was for rain, or you know, very accurate these days and when they forecast, so you knew it was coming. But you also uh, were able to, I imagine, get a glimpse or two at the pitch conditions. At the point you saw it so green uh, and so fresh, were you confident then?
8: Um, look, I, I mean, I've always got confidence in the players that we had there, and, and um, we came from that England series as well, where we actually had to leave five players out, which is probably some of the toughest decisions we've needed needed to make over there. Um, the pitch changed a wee bit. It, it went from looking very, very green, and then a day out they, they, they took a bit of grass off, and it actually changed colour pretty quick. So I was a little bit worried still that it was dry, but then you looked at the, the weather forecast, it was only... 16, 17 degrees each day, and and cloud and a lot of rain. That you thought it was never really going to get to the stage of spinning like a like a Bunsen sort of top as it does in India.
2: Look, uh, you know, you, you clearly didn't, we're not going to play a spinner when you looked at those conditions and with the forecast because uh, it was even with that extra day added on, it was going to be come and go sort of scenario. Uh, look, but having said that, your bowling attack. Uh, the the quadruple bowling attack that you've got at the moment, added to now by Kyle Jameson, uh, it's got to be perhaps uh, the envy of, of world cricket coaches is just operating like a well-oiled machine.
8: It is. Um, it's going very well, and long may it continue, Smithy. Um, Kyle Jameson's just added a different dimension, I think, to, I guess, what we had with Bolt Sourley and Wagner, who have been so, so successful there for, for long periods of time. And I think that the strength of our our bowling attack is the, the the difference that they all have. So you know that Bolton Southey will swing the ball. They they do it with the opposite arm, which is a good thing for us. So that that creates different angles. And then Wagner's got that that I guess short ball intent that he has, but he's also added to that as well. And I think we saw that in in, in England as well. And Jamison just with his extra bounce provides, I guess, a real handful for for the players and he was unbelievable in that that final I think it was 46 over 7 for 71 I think Mm. unbelievable for a a new bowler who, who can come in and He's only played seven or eight test matches now, but it looks like he's been around for
3: years.
2: Oh, it does. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, he's got that presence and he's not far, uh, he's not afraid to be confrontational. That's what I like about it. So many young bowlers come in and they sort of try and find their feet slowly. You kind of look at his stature and you look at his manner on the field. He's, he's a big boy anyway. He's got that in his favour. But uh, he looks to me as if uh, he's belonged very, very quickly. And I can probably put, put the same label on Devin Conway. He's uh, been superb for you.
8: Yeah, both of them have. I mean, two, I guess, great stories for for New Zealand that have, people have come in and have been successful right from the start. Um, I mean, Devon's two hundred on debut, unbelievable, really. At, at, at the home of cricket at Lord's, as well, was I, I know very very special for him, but very special for the team as well to see, I guess, one of our players achieve that. So, um, yeah, delighted the way both of those guys have have, have come into. I guess,
2: international cricket in the their Mark. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, India were were uh, humble in defeat. Uh, I, I think they realised they were beat it, beaten by a better side. So I personally, I was working on Sky over here in the preview each morning. I, going into the last day, I had absolutely no uh, lack of <laughs> confidence for the fact that you guys would go, go on and win it. And how romantic, and I, I use that term a little bit loosely, I guess, when it comes to sport, but Kane and Ross together at the end, uh, you're inspired by bother, and so often they've helped you or helped the team out. And they did it again on the biggest stage of all.
8: Yeah, and I don't think people really realise how tough that was still. I mean, Indian test spinners are the best in the world. Um, They're renowned for running through teams. And it was starting to turn. It wasn't as sharp, Pat, as what you might see always. But the pressure of the moment, um, you're not going to get bigger than that. Uh, It was another World Cup final sort of all over again. And... Yeah, Ross and and, and Kane certainly showed their experience that they have and the skill and and the tenacity, I think, Um, and just so delighted for them and and the whole team as well to to get over the line there. It was, yeah, really, it it was quite emotional. It was very, very special, I think, for the group and a way nice that we just, with the COVID world the way it is, that we just had the chance to reflect I guess on our own around what we'd achieved
2: Yeah I mean it was and and some of the scenes we were privy to showed uh, I think just how much it meant uh, to you guys personally Uh, and it and as a collective as well they were wonderful scenes it's 11.10 here folks on SCNZ we're talking to Gary Stead uh, the successful very successful Black Caps coach Uh, we had Ross uh, on the show yesterday there was a uh, a school of thought back here that would have been a nice time for Ross Taylor to go out world test champion hitting the winning runs Uh, but Ross was quite adamant yesterday he wants to play on and I think uh, the majority says that's a good decision and still some surety I know you've got some great players waiting in the wings steady but uh, to have Ross Taylor there still for a while, I think that would be comforting.
8: Yeah absolutely, I mean Ross has been a class player for New Zealand for a long period of time and I know, I mean you've been through it, I've been through it, that retirement word and, and I guess the older you get the more people want to talk about it but at the end of the day, I mean, we saw his class in that final. We saw he still as a fantastic class in New Zealand. And, and when his time will be, I mean, Ross and I will keep talking about that in time to come. But I know he signed a contract for the year, so we're presuming he's here with us all year. And, Let's look forward to a lot of Ross Taylor run.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to that. Now, let's look forward to what's coming up uh, in the next week. Uh, and let, tell us a wee bit about this trophy that people are going to come and see. Because a mace, man, uh, you've named it after Michael <laughs> Mason. I mean, we're looking at cups and shields in this country, but a mace?
8: Yeah. Well, it's hard to drink out of. I know that <laughs> for a start. So. I'll bet you tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's sort of shaped in the, uh, like a stump, I guess, with a, with a globe on top. And it's... It's got, I guess, the, the different continents and that around the world. And you look around, there's a small dot that's got New Zealand there as well. But, yeah, I think it's it's been around as the number one ranked um, uh, test side for a while. But now, obviously, with the new competition, the World Test Championship, it, that comes as the major trophy. So I think it's, um, yeah, being that it's the first time, being that New Zealand has its name on it and we're the first ones there in the World Test Championship, I think it's pretty special
2: to all of us. Does it live with us or does it float? Ah, uh, no, it's with us.
8: Um, I think it stays with us for two years and, well, hopefully we, we get a chance to defend it again in the future. We'll
2: win it again. Okay, let's uh, just highlight where it's going to be, Steady, while we've got you on here, Cobham Oval, uh, this is the 26th of July, folks. So It starts at 10 o'clock in the morning at Cobham Oval. Uh, On the 27th, uh, it's a big occasion at Eden Park, 11.30 in the morning. uh, Write these dates down. Take your kids along, please. 28th of July, 9 o'clock in the morning, it goes to Tauranga Intermediate School. Uh, On the 28th of uh, July, later that afternoon, it's at the Centre Place Shopping Mall in Hamilton. 29th, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, New Plymouth Golf Club, of all, of all places. So while you're putting your hands on the trophy, the boys will probably be playing nine holes. Uh, 29th of July, also Fitzherbert Park in Palmerston North. It's got to travel down that side of the island. to Papa, how fitting that it goes to a museum, um, because that's where it belongs. And that's 7.30 on the 30th of July, the 31st, the Town Hall in Christchurch. Boy, you're going to some important places now. 1 o'clock. Steady, you'll be there. Well, you'll, you'll deem it t- fit to be at the Town Hall, will you? I'll be there, yeah, I'll be at that one. Okay, good on you. Uh, Nine o'clock in the morning on the 1st of next month, August, it will be at Forsyth Bar Stadium. So even if it's raining, you won't get wet under the covers there. And then, of course, uh, the final port of call on this tour anyway will be at Stadium Southland in Invercargill. 3pm on the 1st of August I think it's going to be well and truly uh, supported I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of people there steady it was big news man it was big news back here at home it went down so damn well uh, What the players how's it going to work from a players point of view you'll go in your own particular area or some guys will follow it yep. quite a lot around the place
8: 'll be it 'll be predominantly uh, in the area and region that they are in the players are actually on leave at the moment as well, um, so it, it was I think unrealistic to expect them to have a whole week doing that so there 'll be three or four players I imagine in, in each spot with with the support staff or some of the support staff in different places but yeah it 's really a chance to sit down and have a photo with the mace, get the family around it. And I guess we want New Zealand to share the uh, i guess the enjoyment and the joy that we got from um, from from winning it so uh, if, if that can be something that inspires young people to, to give cricket a go then, then I think that's a really important thing
2: Folks we will have those dates and those times on the SENZ website on our app uh, also New Zealand Cricket will have it well publicised as well so I won't go through them again but please go to those particular apps and find out exactly when and where it's closest to you uh, Steady going forward uh, they have published uh, already uh, a test programme going forward still uh, we only see uh, seen fit to get two test series that disappoints me a wee bit
8: yeah, I think it's a hard one. I mean, a lot of those decisions are made even before we get to this stage now. And I think the world, with the way it is, um, I don't know if you'll still see a complete cycle of Test cricket. I mean, there's, it's very, very difficult, I think, getting into countries at the moment. And I know governments are doing their best to work with sporting organisations, but it is still quite messy, I think, when it comes to putting tours together. Um, yeah, I know our players would love to play more Test cricket, um, but, uh, yeah, that's something I, I think we need to keep working with the administrators on.
2: Full-time job for you, of course. Uh, you are in charge over all three disciplines. So uh, red ball was the focus in Southampton. Now it's white ball focus with uh, a projected uh, ICC World T20 World Cup coming up at the end of the year. I think in the UAE in Dubai is probably where it will absolutely happen. White ball on the agenda for you now?
8: Yes, it is. Uh, we have we have tours coming up to Bangladesh, Pakistan, uh, then the World Cup, as you say, and then back into Test Cricket in India. So it's, a, it's got a real, I guess, Asian sort of country flavour to it at the moment. So we, we're going to be over in that part of the world for long periods of time.
2: Gary, bask in the glory. That's all I can say. You absolutely deserve it. You had some heartache. Is it made, is it, by the way, has it made up a little bit from uh, 2019 at yeah. Lord's? Is it a little bit?
8: Yeah, I, I think it has. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, that was a special moment in itself, albeit a, a heartbreaking one. But um, I don't think a lot of people expected us to be there uh, when you started the tournament, and and probably likewise with the Test Championship. But. It's going to be hard now, I think to take that under status all the time which we love to take as Kiwis. Um, and, we, and but yeah, I think in a way for those that were there, certainly, I, I think that added to the the emotion of the event finally getting over the line as well.
2: Enjoy uh, celebrating with New Zealand. Uh, it's been a wonderful achievement, Gary Stead. We salute you for that, uh, and uh, as I say, enjoy uh, shaking some hands and kissing some babies' heads and uh, shining the top of that mace with them because uh, it's going to be a nice celebration uh, in the few days coming forward. Thanks for your time this morning, mate.
8: Thanks, Smithy. Thanks for the support.
2: Uh, OK, no problem at all. Uh, text, folks, keep them coming in. I said I'd read this one out from uh, Apurahama. It's a simple argument for me, Smithy. Do we want inclusion or fairness? If it's inclusion a la weightlifting, let's just roll with it and understand it'll be potentially unfair for biological women. You know what I, th- I like about that is, is that's what's going to happen because uh, Laurel Hubbard has met the requirements. She's not breaking any rules. She's met all the requirements physically and th- that the Olympics have set down for her to meet. So there's no reason why legally she cannot compete. So it's going to happen. So it has, has got it exactly right. Let's just roll with it. Um, but maybe not because... Yeah, uh, we're getting so many other issues coming in here, and so many other very, very passionate texts. Like from Pete, who says we have a Paralympics uh, team where athletes get to compete against other athletes with similar similar physical differences. So where is the transgender athletes? Where is their particular competition? I, I mean, that's the natural progression for me, Pete. If it gets to a point where there's that many from around the world taking part, they'll have their own competition. That's the way I see it heading, and maybe. That day uh, should happen sooner rather than later. Football starts tonight, though. The Olympics actually do start tonight. Our women's football team are in action. We're going to speak to Narelle Sindos, who's uh, a football guru, who's been following uh, football in this country for a long period of time. She will be particularly interested. She's a Sky Sport expert as well. uh, After the break with Narelle Sindos, we're also going to have a stump smithy, another chance at that. Uh, And also we'll be talking to Tony Lyle. We're going to have a comic segment every now and then on the show. And first up, it will be Tony Lyle.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, traditionally over the years, folks, uh, when we've been watching the Olympics, we think it begins with the opening ceremony and all those beautiful flags and athletes coming into uh, the, main, the main arena uh, to kick it off. But that is not the case. In fact, they start very shortly tonight. The opening ceremony is on Friday but the football fans at 11.30pm tonight, New Zealand Time, will be kicking off against the Matildas from Australia. Uh, to get us more prepared for that kick-off, here's News Hub sports reporter and Sky Sport football expert, and she is too, good morning to Narelle Sindos.
5: Hi, Smithy. Oh, that's a very nice sir. welcome. Thank you.
2: <laughs> hey, look, you must be excited about this because, uh, f- first of all, you, you, the, the football fans get to go first. Um, but my word, what what a tough group. What a tough group they're in.
5: I know, no pressure, actually. Their coach, Tom Somani, said in the press conference yesterday that he actually didn't know that they would be the first New Zealand athletes to compete at the Olympics. So I guess it just adds like a whole other layer of pressure, but I find it hard to believe that it's almost been five hundred days since we've had any of our national teams compete on the international stage. so, I honestly can't wait. I know 11:30 is a little bit of a late one, but I don't start work till late tomorrow, so I honestly cannot wait for this.
2: Movie. I honestly can't either. I, I shall. I promise. I shall be watching it, and I'll be much more knowledgeable <laughs> about the whole thing uh, by uh, one o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, take COVID out of the factor, uh, you know, and it, it obviously has been huge in the world of sport. But just in a normal course of events, we don't get the same level of preparation as some of those groups do, we in, the, in those uh, particular. Uh, tournament at the Olympics. We're we're underplayed a wee bit.
5: Yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why that is because a lot of our football ferns are spread out across the world. So you've got some in England, you've got some in Iceland, the rest of Europe, a lot over in America, even Australia, and then you've got some based here. So it was very hard for them to sort of have any pre-tournament camp, although they have actually played a warm-up game over there against Great Britain, and they lost 3-0, but that would have been, um, even that game would have been so valuable for them heading into the tournament and, as what you say, is the group of deaths, I mean, you really couldn't have asked for a tougher draw. I remember watching the yeah, the live draw announcement, and I, oh, I could not believe it. But Australia, though, trans Tasman rivalry to get us started, and yesterday it was actually marked two years to go until the 2023 Women's World Cup, which we're hosting with Australia, so I thought that was pretty fitting.
2: And And, God willing, this horrible thing we're going through at the moment will just be a memory and we can get on it uh, get on with it with crowds uh, that's the other thing empty stadiums for the girls It's um, not going to be easy for a side like USA who get massive amounts of support uh, they're in our group along with Sweden really really tough group no atmosphere going to be tough
5: yeah I think especially more so like you say for America because they are the superstars of football like they outweigh the men's team by far so I think then they will find it a bit of a struggle but for our Kiwi athletes I don't think it will affect them um too much um and I guess yeah I mean they've played America before actually in the 2012 Olympics so the furthest any New Zealand football team has gone at the Olympics was in 2012 and it was the football ferns they got knocked out in the quarterfinals against America so um a little bit of revenge on the cards but you'd have to say this first match up against Australia is by far the best chance that we have of winning a match in our poll. And, I mean, as we've seen from previous um, Olympics, you only really need to win one game to make it through. Um, but we haven't actually been Australia since 1994. Um, but, you know, it's the first time everything, so who knows?
2: Well, we weren't going to be unbeaten in the Men's World Cup a few years ago. We were not never going to go through that tournament <laughs> unbeaten, and we did. The only team to do that.
5: I know. So, yeah, I know. So impressive.
2: We can always hang our hat on that hook. Uh, look, here's, uh, here's the thing. Tom Somani's side is, is full of some very um, experienced players as well. Players that we don't know too much about because, basically, uh, they're all playing overseas.
5: Exactly. I think the one that sticks out for me is Rhea Percival. So she's the most capped footballer um, with men and women. She's by far the most capped. And she's actually been playing for Tottenham Hotspur in England. And she's actually been playing with Alex Morgan, who is um, America's superstar. So she's really got a a bit of intel from her. And I mean, you look at Australia's lineup and you've got Sam Kerr, Chelsea. So a lot of these players have actually come up against each other before. So it's not too much of a new thing. The only sort of one I'm worried about is Sweden because they've only recently um, sort of, I don't know, been on a bit of a good run at the, yeah. at the last few tournaments. So they're the only kind of ones I'm a bit like, eh, about. But um, I'm I'm confident that they can get a result against Australia. They've got the players to do so. You look at the um, backup keeper. So we've got Elite and uh, a young girl up front, Gabby Rennie. They were both part of New Zealand's um, history-making run at the 2018 Under-17 World Cup when they went on to win bronze. So I think those young players are starting to come to light a bit more. They're starting to transition up the age group. So I think those two, if they can get a decent run, they'll be very, very good for us.
2: The focus is the Matildas tonight, though, Noel. please. A draw would be a great uh-huh. result. What about a prediction?
10: <sighs>
5: well, honestly, I, I hope just a 1-0 win, I hope, but I don't think it'll go that way. I think I think a draw would be, would be pretty lucky. Um, obviously, you've probably heard we're missing two of our, our yep. key players, Rebecca Stott, a rock at the back, Rosie White, great up front, both due to illness. So those will be big shoes to fill. But, I mean, it is football. And in a tournament like the Olympics, anything can happen. So I'm hoping we sneak by with a 1-0 win. But my head is probably saying it's more likely going to be a draw.
2: Can I make a promise to you, Narelle? We're going to ring you uh, more often particularly as the Olympics oh, go on. Uh, we want to um, update because uh, we just need to find out more and more about our chances. Say hey, thanks so much for your time this morning. 11.30 tonight, folks, uh, and it is the football ferns carrying the flag for us in Game 1 of these Tokyo Olympics. Radio, carry the flag for yourself here. Can't, I challenge you. Not many people are calling in. 0800 oh, I'm challenging you now. You can stump Smithy you only have to make a call and have a go and you'll win 50 bucks with the TAB vouchers how hard is that? Ring this number 800-150-811 if you don't ring, JD, John Day and I will be heading straight, straight round the TAB and putting it on ourselves, you probably deserve it more, so please, please, I see, actually I might see the call line lighting up now but um, let's hope, hang around if you, you want to call, we'll be patient we're going to the news with Trudy right now come back, have a crack at stumping me you won't find it easy
5: the all new SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
6: It's 11:30 making SENZ news this hour. More COVID cases ahead of the Olympics, which open Friday. Latest daily case numbers in Tokyo are at 13:87, with Games Chief Toshiro Muto not ruling out canning the Games if cases spike. In South Australia, it's the latest state to have their travel bubble paused with us. They're now the third Australian state to head into lockdown. Haitians have held official ceremonies to honour their assassinated president, at the same time getting ready to install a new interim leader, alongside arresting at least three police officers implicated in the killing. Billionaire Jeff Bezos has launched into space in the first crewed flight of his rocket ship New Shepard. And police are reminding Riverton whitebaiters to check the security of their huts and valuables after a spate of break-ins. Items taken include car batteries, solar inverters, and this isn't fair, they're pot-belly stoves. SNZ radio.nz Sport coming up.
4: The S. E. N. Z. app. downloaded today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime.
6: Warriors CEO Cameron George has shot down speculation that Nathan Brown is on the way out as head coach after losing their past six games. George told Ian Smith earlier that their run of defeats coincides with another relocation, where they haven't played at home in almost two years. Anthony Joshua will defend his world heavyweight titles against Alexander Usyk on September 25. To cricket, India win and gain an unassailable 2-0 series lead over Sri Lanka. Deepak Jahar's heroics with the bat sealed a three-wicket victory for the visitors. And New Zealand got back just 48 cents for every dollar spent on last year's America's Cup, the loss sitting at $156 million.
7: Penrite Oil has a premium range of lubricants, powering anyone from racing drivers to everyday Kiwis for over 30 years.
6: fine breaks for our Wednesday after scattered showers clear away today for the North Island. To the south, wet on the west coast. Briefly heavy this evening too, but fine. Canterbury through to Southland. And from six tonight, we go across the ditch. The captain's run with Cam Smith on SENZ. <laughs>
8: Smith's had a good match here.
0: Stumped by Smithy. Ian
8: Smith really is top class at his job.
1: I tell you what, Smithy, yep. you call for callers and they come. We've yeah. got five people waiting to I try know. and
2: stump you today. And we're going to be playing this every day, let's not forget. Um, and if you don't get through today and have a crack, ring at the same time tomorrow. Um, and we got Shanta on the line. Shanta's top of the queue, is he? We do,
1: absolutely. Yep, Shunter is there and waiting. Great name, Shunter. I'm not sure whether we should ask you how you got that nickname.
12: Um, well, the old man's called Bumper, and I was a young fellow going to his cricket practices, and uh, they wanted to call me a little Bumper, so they came up with Shunter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Where are you from, Shunter? Blenheim. Blenheim. Central Listerick's boy. Out of my own Country heart. as That's well. Right, That's right. Marco. Marco. Absolutely yeah. love it. Fantastic. Fins up, Shunter.
1: All right. You know how this works. You get three sporting categories. You choose one and then get three questions right and you win a $50 TAB voucher. But if you get a question wrong, the ball goes through to Smithy behind the stumps and he gets an opportunity to dismiss you and it'll be on to one of our other five callers who are waiting in line. So are you ready to go, Shunter?
9: Yeah, mate, that's for you. Go for it. All right.
1: All right, Shanta. Your categories today. Rugby, netball and tennis. What are you going to go for?
12: Oh, I don't make myself
1: in any of them, but we'll go with tennis. Tennis. I like it. Excellent. All right. Number one. Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal have played each other 58 times. Who leads the head-to-head record?
8: Djokovic.
10: There he goes! All the way up into the stand. One ahead hit into the first half.
2: Knocked it out of the park. Yeah, Djokovic well, has won 30, Nadal 28. And that was my big chance because had to get it wrong was a 50-50 question. I had the answer on <laughs> exactly. the plate. Yeah. So <laughs> well done, Shanta. Shut me out there, boy.
1: Right, one from one. Serena Williams won her first Grand Slam title at the US Open in 1999. But when is the last time Serena Williams won a Grand Slam? Ooh. Ooh. So I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take the year. 18.
4: 2018? Yeah. He's got it. He's out
1: court. That's the wrong answer. So, Smithy, you've got an opportunity to come in for a stumping here.
2: Chandra, uh, I'm guessing here. I'm absolutely guessing. Um, it's been a while. Uh, I remember a tantrum when uh, Osaka beat her in the US Open. That wasn't uh, so good for Serena. Uh, and I'm kind of guessing she was desperate there because she hadn't won one for a while prior to that. So I'm going to go back a bit further. She's had a baby in that time. Not at the peak of her powers. I'm going to go back a little bit further to 2017. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot,
1: underwear it goes. Smithy, well done, mate. You've oh, got your first stumping on day three. Uh, Unlucky, Shanta, uh, you're gone. It was the Australian lost. Open in 2017.
2: Oh, I feel a bit sorry for you, Shanta, because of all people, Central District Stag supporter, I wanted you to win, mate. I'm sorry that I actually finally guessed right.
12: Good job, mate.
2: Good on you, mate. Thanks for calling, and thanks to everyone that dialled in. Dial in again tomorrow morning. Uh, because you'll have the chance to win 50 bucks from the TAB. Yes, John? Because we've got so many people calling in, I reckon
1: we can go for one more contestant. You've got a stumping already, Smithy. You had eight in your test career. Why not
2: go for more? OK, we're going to give away the 50 bucks. That's what you want to do. Who are you going to go for then? I'm going to go for Hayden. OK. Hayden, near there? Yeah, mate. Excellent. Right. All right. Where are you
1: from, Hayden? Uh, from the NACI. From the Nackies. Ah, oh, Central Districts again. Got him. Unbelievable. <laughs> Love it. All right, because uh previous caller shunter answered one correctly, you're only going to have to get two right here, but we're sticking with tennis. Is that all right with you? That's all good, yep. All right. Roger Federer and Pete Sampras are regarded as the best men's tennis players of all time on grass, so who won their only head-to-head match at Wimbledon? Was it Sampras uh, or was with... it Federer?
13: Yeah, I'll go with Federer.
1: It was, Federer beat Sampras in the round of 16 at Wimbledon in 2001.
10: There he goes, all the way, up into the stand, what ahead into the first tier. that's hitting a cricket ball.
1: And your final question to win a $50 voucher for the TAB, Anthony Wilding, regarded as one of New Zealand's greatest tennis players. But way back in the day, before even Smithy was around, 1906 to 1913, how many grand slams Anthony Wilding win?
10: Uh,
13: I'm just going to take a stab and say zero. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Unlucky. Unlucky. The ball has beaten the bat. Smithy's waiting with the gloves. Two stumpings in one
2: day, Smithy. No, I'm not sure about the exact number here, but I know he did win them, and I know he wore long pants to do it because that's what they wore back in those days with those wooden rackets and the strings, etc. cetera. Um, didn't have to worry about changing rackets in between games. I only had one back then. Uh, look, to be fair, I'm going to say that Wilding, Anthony Wilding, who's very, very famous, the Wilding casket is a tennis trophy. I'd say five. 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 One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, Unlucky
1: smithy. Four. Two Australian Opens, two Wimbledons. That means, Hayden, you're going to walk away with $50 worth of TAB vouchers, so stay on the line and give us your details. Awesome, mate. Cheers. Awesome. Man, he sounded stoked. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs>
2: second, right, chance, there, Aiden? <laughs> second chance, second chance, Hayden. Got yeah. a second go. So uh, to Kelly, to Andre, to Scott, to Callum, who are also waiting on the line. We thank you very much. Please uh, take part tomorrow. Uh, we'd love to talk to you, and you may we might even take two callers tomorrow if I clean up the first one in a hurry. So uh, <clears throat> that's fantastic. Someone stumped Smithy again today and got. Fifty bucks. We've got uh, sports no joke segment coming up very shortly. Our first comedian. They take a lighter look at the side of things. Not very easy to take a light look at things so, uh, with COVID and with Laurel Hub and things. Things are pretty gloomy and serious at the moment. Tony Lyle's going to give it a go though, and uh, that's coming up very very shortly.
1: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sports no joke
0: we like sports and we don't care who knows from Wimbledon to the Astrodome we like sports and we don't care
4: who
8: knows football tennis you guys are a fun crowd man this is a good time not my favourite crowd of all time unfortunately sorry truth hurts baby my favourite crowd it's not even a comedy crowd it's the crowd at the Vodafone Warriors a couple of fans it's our year I still believe anyway we don't have time I love the crowd. They're an unpredictable crowd. They'll yell anything. I was at a Vodafone Warriors game and an old man in a lull of play stood up and yelled at the ref, Die, sir! (laughs) It's a crazy thing to yell. Two words, one of them super mean, the other one quite respectful actually.
2: (laughs) That is Tony Lyle. I'm pleased to say he is a very first guest on Sports No Joke this morning. Uh, Good morning to you, Tony. Uh, Warriors crowd, your favourite crowd. There, There you go.
8: Oh, good morning, Smithy. Pleasure to be on with you, mate. Uh, what a treat! And yeah, they are a cra- they're a great crowd, mate. They're so unpredictable, and I love the fact that they're all experts. You- there's very few crowds you can sit in and watch. You hear everyone being a coach on the whole sideline, but that's, that's one of the real joys of sitting out there at Mount Smart when the boys are playing at home.
2: Tony Lyle, folks, uh, you'll know Tony. He's uh, from The Project uh, on TV3. Uh, that is a regular slot for him as well. So, uh, and, But he is a sports naffy. He's like me and you. The reason, reason you're listening to SENZ is because you love sport. Uh, you love sport. We'll get onto that very, very shortly, Tony. But when did you discover you were a comedian?
8: Oh, mate, um, accidentally, really, a few years ago, just uh, jumped up at the old open mic night. It's always been keen to give it a crack, and um, it just sort of fell in, fell in front of me, really. And I got to give it a crack and just never stopped going, uh, no matter how badly it went.
2: There's actually a show on Netflix, I think it's called, I'm Dying Up Here. I think it is. Uh, and, and that's a, a, basically a story about a, a fledgling comedian who, who wants to get up there and give it a go. And that's one of his passions. Uh, do you ever feel, and that's you. Really would be my biggest fear, is that no one laughed. I mean, do you have that fear?
8: Well, uh, quite frankly, I'm quite good. So usually they laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, they uh, are. <laughs> And obviously it's a fair, that um, little clip you played before was from uh, the Comedy Gala, so there's like a couple of thousand people there, right. and just before I went on stage, I, I honestly thought that to myself, I was like, what happens if just no one laughs right now? And I was like, oh well, you're, you've made your bed, go have a lie. Um, we got in there and it went alright.
2: I've often wondered if say your first, fourth or fifth comedian in line there, and the ones in front of you have stolen your best, your best gags, what will you do then?
8: Well, if they do material that's um, similar, you just pivot, I guess, last minute, go, oh, geez, they've just done a joke. It's very similar to that one, so you just change it in your head uh, and hope that hope that, that goes all right as well.
2: Now, you've got to love a sport, Tony, uh, an absolute love of sport. You're a Kiwi, after all. Um, and yep. you're involved very heavily with the Black Caps because you're the MC there. People will recognise your voice from there. Yeah. Cricket, big for you, or is it just a, a gig that you're able to get?
8: Oh, mate, I love my cricket. Eh? I love the Black Caps. Um, yeah, I, uh, the ground... So I used to go around to all the home games for ODI and T20 and go and get amongst the crowd up on the big screen and go and meet the people who are watching it. It's, uh, it's a great, great gig, to be honest. It's sort of one of those dream gigs. I when I was a boy, I'd go to the games and watch, you know, Ben Hurley and Nick Rado and those guys out there in the crowd doing that. And I honestly, I remember thinking to myself, how do you get that job? That's got to be the best job in the world, just going into the crowd at the Black Caps games and talking to people who... Well, you know, they're fairly lubricated mostly, um, (laughs) and they've got someone to say. And I remember thinking about it, and then it just sort of worked out um, that it it filled in for NZC when they needed someone for uh, some uh, Super Smash games a few years ago, and it just went from there. Yeah, I love it. Dream goes.
2: Well, you actually work for the Highlanders, or you've, you love the Highlanders anyway, um, under the stadium down there at Forsyth Bar, riling up the crowd down there. I would imagine uh, Tony Lyle would be a good thing to do. Why a Highlanders fan, mate? Are you educated? You're an Otago Scarfe? Yeah,
8: I'm an Otago Scarfe. My um, family's from down that way, so my family's from uh, Balcluta way back in the day. But mainly, um, I, grew, I grew up in Blenheim, so I grew up indoctrinated uh, of the Crusaders. Uh, you know, I had no choice in the matter. And then when I went down to um, to varsity, uh, I saw there was another way. And um, you know, just you know, I was a bit of an underdog supporting the Highlanders as well back then. You know, they were a team that were were battling. This is sort of oh you know, six, oh seven, <laughs> and I really just got behind them then. And you know, then we had a few hard years, a few, a lot of few hard years. And then um, you know, we we got good in the end. We got we came right. And uh yeah, then we had one of the greatest sporting moments of my life at
0: Westpac
2: Stadium yeah. uh, against the Hurricanes. And, then, oh, gee, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> hey, look, uh, COVID uh, has it been bad for a lot of industries. But in, in a way, it's sort of given New Zealand comics a, a bit of a, a chance to, to go around New Zealand without any overseas acts coming in. So has it been beneficial to you? Have you been busy?
8: Yeah, we were very busy. Um, after the first big lockdown, it was like the roaring 20s out there. Everyone was just keen to come back out and go the shows. Um, Even shows open all over the country, was think everyone was sold out. And Like like you said, there wasn't any international acts coming over at all, so people had to fill that hole somehow. So we There's been a couple of um, overseas acts come through. Russell Howard from the UK, he's a, he's a big sports guy as well, loves his English football. Uh, he, he came over and um, a huge tour. And Chopper... You know, from seven days, he's just finished a, a massive tour as well. But, yeah, it's definitely opened some doors. The um, New Zealand Comedy Festival that was just on in May this year, exclusively New Zealand comedians for the first time ever. Sort of, you know, really making making a mockery of the international in the name. But it was still a huge success. You know, people came out to the shows. And, and you know, quite frankly, New Zealand comics are just as good as, as any comics overseas. We I think we hold up overseas comics as, as these, you know... Pr- absolute gods, but actually a lot of the New Zealand comics you see out there, who, 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 they, they, they give them a run of their money any day of
2: the week. Tony Lyle, thanks very much for joining us. I think everyone needs a laugh at the moment uh, with what's going on around the world. and uh, We thank you very much for uh, New Zealand comics in particular, but you, Tony, for joining us on the, our very first segment of Sports No Joke. Go well? Um, and
8: oh, Missy, No no worries, mate. I just want to say before you go, back there in Kara's books, many years ago, you won't remember this, but me and my mate were in this day... Uh, Bleacher's watching it and we we got your autograph after the game. We were like, Smithy, we've got to get his autograph. And you signed both of our arms and it was a Huge honor, so it's great to be able to talk to you, mate.
2: Good God, you scared the crap out of me there, mate. I thought you were going to say I saw you at the cook one night. That would have really worried me. <laughs> OK, Tony Lyle, absolutely uh, very funny man, and thanks very much for joining us. It's going to be a regular uh, item on our show. we we'll get the, the likes of Ben Hurley and co on as well. It's 11.52 here on SENZ coming up very shortly. Mark Stafford, of course, he drives you... Uh, I won't say drives you home because he drives our our ship. He's uh, at the helm from 12 to 4.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Good morning to you. It's uh, 11.57. It's my last little stint here uh, on this Wednesday, day three. Boy, it's been uh, fun three days, and I've really enjoyed interacting with you people. Uh, It's been great, absolutely great. Uh, And I want to finish you on a note of comedy here with the last text that I received this morning. Hi, Smithy. I think this is really cool. Uh, I'm loving your segment, which is great. I thank you for this. Funnily enough, it's from Ian. Uh, Great to hear you back on the wireless. I have to admit, I am struggling with those two men on breakfast. They sound half asleep all the time. (laughs) Any thoughts of moving to that spot? Well, Mark Stafford, (laughs) I notice you're giggling away there. Baz will be halfway down State Highway 1 on the way to Matter. Izzy will be on a plane, hopefully, so he won't have heard that. Baz and Izzy, half asleep. I think it's cool. Steph and Smithy for breakfast yes. hasn't got the ring, has it? it? No, nah, it hasn't got the ring. Mm. Smithy and Steph might have, though. Oh, that's good. <laughs> hey, yeah, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about this? Oh, the Olympics have started. That's yeah, what but, I'm looking at on TV. Yeah, we've just glanced up and it looks like, I think it's softball,
14: Japan, Australia. Um, but what's the time in Japan? Are they like, oh, no, it's only three hours difference, isn't it? Three yeah. hours difference. So it's nine o'clock in the morning over there. They're going to get underway. It's a
2: beautiful day. Uh, and uh, only masks are on the flag bearers and the officials, and uh, I think the deputy of the Olympics uh, delivered the so- the softball out to the, the Diamonds. So, uh, Staffy, uh, that's coming up very, very shortly, the first pitch at the Olympics. What about your pitch for this afternoon? What have you got lined up? Oh, I've got a few
14: things lined up. I'll go backwards. Okay. Um, well, I'll just go all over the place, actually. I suppose the big the big interview today is with Blair Chuk. Um, right. the Right. other had the other flag bearer. Well, no, we had a flag bearer yesterday, Sarah Hirani, Blair Chook, um, obviously well known in the yachting circles. We've got him on. Um, we've also got Tracy Hau-Papa, who has who stu- is the chairperson of this new um, organisation, Woman in Rugby Aotearoa. Um, I signed up. I'm a foundation member, the first 500 people, uh, foundation members. I just want to know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I just saw a woman in rugby helping promote blah, blah, blah. I thought, I'm in. I'm in. So we're going to get the lowdown from her. Ranger Bloxham, the coach of the Southern Steel, who have made their way to the top three, even with a round to play. Uh, breaking news mm-hmm. at 1.20. 1.15, 1.20. I can't tell you any more than that. Thanks, mate. Big story. Okay. And look out for Midday Madness straight after the news. People will ring me and talk about the stuff that's heated them from
2: you. Okay, right. My thanks to Brian, my thanks to JD, my eternal thanks to Trudy. News time. Day three's all over, folks, for me, but Staffy after 12. It's Ty Power's Big Footy
4: final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.